boy, it's time to do the Skype dance. Yes. How are you doing? Um, all right. Cool. You're listening to Just One of Them There Guys, now with 37% less snark. In a row? He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Hello and welcome to episode number four of Just One of Them There Guys, a US1 podcast. This is the one and, unfortunately, only internet radio show covering the exploits of that bastion of generally unwarranted depression, the 1980s comic US1. Tonight we're going to be taking a look at issues 7 and 8 of this maxi-series, which involves soliloquies from inanimate objects, mind control of people we aren't certain actually have a functioning brain, I'm looking at you, Retread, and the excessive violence and aggressive romance, and one of the best cliffhangers that we've had in the entire book. It's all turning out better than I could have expected, and to help me along with this slice of Americana Marvel style, I have the bear to my BJ, the snowman to my bandit, but thankfully not the retread to my U.S. Archer, Mr. Jay Ferguson, long to the, for the ride. Hey, Jay, how's it going? All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad that you don't think I'm like retread. No. I mean, there's, there's, uh... No <sighs> could be I... as annoying and, uh, and aggravating as retread. He is a, he is the one thing that brings this comic down. Yeah. I really hope that there aren't people like that in real life. I know it would be very sad. Uh, yeah, I, if they're basing it off any real character, I I pity the fact that that character or that person exists and that Al Milgram actually had to research that character to put him in the book. It'd be awful. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but if you need a meteorologist. <laughs> yes, a meteorologist or a detective or a bouncer. Yes, he, he, he's your man. Mm-hmm. As I think, I think the... Um, I, I won't say what it is, but the the inanimate object that speaks in one of these issues, I believe, calls calls him uh, jack of all trades and bad at all of them. <laughs> Very apt description. But yeah, we're going to be taking a look at these two issues, and after we plug a couple of promos here for some podcasts that I love to listen to, and hopefully you will love to listen to as well, we'll get into our coverage of US One Number Seven right after this. Hi, my name is Mike, and I like comic books. Okay, so what do you think about Ben Affleck being Batman? No, I said I like comic books. That's a movie, and I couldn't care less. Well, it's a comic book movie. Really? Did you go see the magazine movie? Or do you watch the television book? I like comic books. You know, those things make for paper, especially the old ones. Whoa, those things. Are they CGC 9.8? No, you're missing the point. I like to actually read comic books, especially the old ones. I like them so much I even build a website to tell other people about them. Does it have any information about uh, Avengers 2? No, it has info about actual comic books. Lots of covers, creator credits, character appearance lists, story synopsis notes, and so much more. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Where can I find it? It's at mikesamazingworld.com. 
Do I have to read anything? Reading makes my brain hurt. You can just look at the pictures if you want. Or you can listen to my podcast, where I talk about the history of DC Comics, especially the old ones. So I can listen to a comic book podcast? It's a podcast about comic books. You can find it at twotruefreaks.com. What's it called? Mike's Amazing World of DC History. History? You mean like before Twitter? Yes, the world actually did exist long before Twitter. My show is for comic book fans, especially the old ones. So check out Mike's Amazing World of Comics, the website, and listen to Mike's Amazing World of DC History, the podcast, for information and fun related to actual comic books, especially the old ones. Oh my god, I'm J. David Weeder. I haven't podcasted for 36 hours. I need to make a podcast. I have to do this. Maybe something Golden Age. I need a partner. Golden Age, podcast obsessed. Got it. John's John's Toilets and Toiletries. John, we need to make a new podcast. A new podcast? I haven't podcasted in a whole day. I need a new podcast. Well, I've been listening to a lot of David Bowie lately. Let's do Starman and his Golden Age adventures. Ooh, who who was the artist on Starman? What's that Jack Burnley? Yes, we should cover Jack Burnley's run on Adventure Comics and Starman. Okay, I have just the perfect guy because I know another guy who loves Jack Burnley. So let me call Charlie Neymar and see if we can get him on a three-way here. Hi, what's up? Charlie. Charlie. Ah. We need you to do a limited series podcast monthly at starmanobservatory.blogspot.com. Are you available? Uh, monthly? Well, Starman, that's Jack Burnley, right? Oh, heck yes, I'm available. This podcast is go. The Starman Observatory, covering Starman's Golden Age adventures. Monthly at starmanobservatory.blogspot.com. And we are back. And before we get to the coverage of uh, US 1 number 7, I forgot we actually have a couple of emails from some readers. Uh, take wait, 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 wait. Sorry, Sean. Um, yes. Uh, so pe- people listen to this? <laughs> Surprisingly enough, there are people who actually listen to it. And one of the people who listens to it actually has his own uh, podcast website. Uh, he's uh, the His name is Professor Allen. He hosts the Relatively Geeky uh, Podcast Network, which includes Shortbox Showcase, uh, Uncovering the Bronze Age, and one of my favorite shows, the Quarterbin Podcast, where Professor Allen takes a look at uh, comic books that he's found for 25 cents or less and reviews them on the show. And he's had some really good uh, comics so far. I think he did Rom Space Night. He did... Uh, a John Sable book, and he did a couple of Superman books. So uh, that's actually fun. I'm thinking that I don't know whether he'll tread on our coattails, but I'm certain he could probably find a US-1 book uh, somewhere in the quarter bin, unfortunately. But Professor Allen has an email that he wrote to us, and he says, Sean and Jay, a couple of things about... Hi, Professor Allen. <laughs> a couple of things about US... Or, I'm sorry, just one of them other guys, number three. He says, one... Thanks for playing the quarter bin promo. Well, you're very welcome. He says, that's greatly appreciated. In episode two of the show, I return the favor. Okay, well, thank you, Professor Allen. I appreciate that. Wait, what? there's a promo for this? Uh, I think he may have pl- done it for the other show. Oh, oh, I see. I haven't gotten around to making US <laughs> one promo. And the fact that we're, you know, what, like two-thirds of the way through <laughs> yeah. the book? Yeah, it kind of makes... <laughs> It kind of makes little sense to actually write a promo to go, hey, come look at this. We're almost already done. So, 
uh, sad, uh, but Professor Allen continues on saying, number two, by coincidence, I was prepping the future episode of the quarter bin while I was listening to this episode and was shocked to hear you reviewing the exact same ads in the book that I was reading. Oh, cool. No spoilers, but episode five of the show will feature a Marvel comic from 1983. And he says, I agree. The subscription page was pretty boring, but the John Byrne bullpen bulletin page was terrific. I guess he's talking about that, uh, bullpen bulletin where it's got mm-hmm. John Byrne at the art desk and all the, uh, well, not all, but a good majority of the Marvel characters are surrounding him and he's drawn all the, yeah, that was beautiful. It was. That and was... the subscription page is better in these ones. Oh I yeah. Think. Well, give me that. Um, he finishes up saying, loving all your shows. Keep up the good work. Professor Allen. Thanks, yeah, Professor Allen. Too. I appreciate you writing in. And like I said before, he's the host of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Networks. Go out there, uh, give it a subscription. If you're on iTunes, uh, you know, drop him a review as well. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I have only listened to like the first episodes of all of those shows, but they are all good. And yes, I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Good stuff out there. Professor Allen's doing some some wonderful, and I like the I like the father daughter aspect that he has. That he's getting his daughter. Mm-hmm. That's really fun. And they yeah. in a, in a recent episode, I think a feedback episode, they actually kind of uh, praised the US One podcast. So uh, there's someone out there who's enjoying what we're doing. So there you go. Um, I, oh, I think and you I, have the next I, email here, don't you? And uh, this email is from Scott Davis. Um, It says, Hi, Sean and Jay. Your dedication to this series about the blood-soaked sweatband blonde trucker with a metal plate in his head is awesome. (laughs) I read issues three to six, and all I can say is it's probably the most bizarre series I've ever read. I agree. Um, Issue three was a fun issue with U.S. trying to save the old man. Um, Okay. Uh, I think I think Retread is a great addition to the series. I don't think Sean would agree, though. No. And um, I also do not agree, <laughs> unfortunately. Sorry, sorry, Scott. Um, and the Highwaymen reveal at the end was excellent. Again, uh, well, I think I think you heard what we said on that episode. And I think that's really all that needs to be said. Um, issue four wasn't so good though, with the U.S. racing Baron von Blimp with the cargo of chickens. The jokes were bad in this issue, and it started to bum me out. Issue 5 was off the wall with the off-panel mass chicken slaughter and then the natural disaster maze followed by a green alien that uses chicken parts for fuel. Yes. I yeah, I can't believe I just wrote that sentence. <laughs> Neither can we. We can't um, believe that that actually made it into a comic book and made up the you know, majority of it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Issue 6 reveals that Wide, Wide Lodani is a beast. Uh and i actually agree with phil agreed in this issue um i i don't know what that means yeah that seems and and he should have thought about prioritizing the mortgage payments instead of fitting out us's truck with fancy expensive gadgets you can't blame the greed for those bad decisions well and you're right scott i will i will say that that's true but i think as we'll see with the issues this week um there is a little bit more to Phil than just he's kind of a jerk and he wants to do. I mean, there, there's more stuff going on and it may not be all Annie's fault. Um, True. All right. Uh, okay. That's uh, yes. Good, great job reviewing these issues, guys. Your episodes are very entertaining and have me laughing throughout. I was wondering if you guys have seen the movie Maximum Overdrive. I always think of this movie when I'm reading these issues. Um, I haven't seen that movie. Have you? 
Yeah, it's actually based. I don't know whether it's based off a Richard Bachman book or a Stephen King book. I think it may be a part of I don't know whether it's part of different seasons, but I I think it might be part of different seasons. I'm afraid you meant to say night shift. Good thing I'm here to catch your mistakes. It's I think it's one of the Stephen King anthology books, but it's essentially uh, a meteorite uh, passes close to Earth. And this came out uh, right around the time of Halley's Comet coming back to Earth. And everyone was kind of worried about, you know, the comet's tail is going to pass through Earth and we're going to get showered by meteorite radiation and whatever. And what it did was it uh, turned all the electronic gadgets into sentient beings or whatever. And it especially turned this one truck that had a green goblin head as the grill into Mm. sort of a murdering rampage. It sounds like a lot of, a lot of fun. It was, it was, it was goofy fun. I think it starred either Charlie Sheen or Emilio Estevez. I can't remember right off the top of my head. And if I could only go check the internet and, yeah. But yeah, but that's well. Just you look, you you look. The way you can tell the difference is uh, the what uh, if if he's foaming at the mouth, it's Charlie Sheen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, as and as as we can tell by the um, by Sean having to um, explain it to me, I have not seen that film, but it sounds exciting, and I will uh, have to check that out at some point. It's, All right, it's good, goofy fun. All right, and uh, Scott ends with, uh, well, I'm off to Tim Hortons for a double-double. Maybe I'll hit the open road for a bit to feel the freedom that Ulysses Archer loves, <laughs> uh, Scott. And yeah, I agree. I, um, yeah, that sounds like sounds like a now. Do you do you have Tim time. Hortons up there uh, up there in Washington? Because we don't have anything like Tim Hortons. I know that's no. predominantly a Canadian thing. It's a it's a Canadian donut shop up there. Yeah, I've heard I, good things about it, but I've never had a Tim Hortons. Yeah, I I have not either. The, they don't they don't. I mean, they don't have them up here. I'm sure they do in, in BC, and it's really, I mean, it's not that far away. But I uh, you know I've I've never been either, and it's I mean like. It's not as if I haven't been in Canada for a number of times, and I, I would have thought, you know, I would have at some point, but nah, never have. It could mm-hmm. be could be good. I have never heard anybody say anything bad about Tim Hortons, though I have only heard. I've heard good a little bit or coffee and donut. Yeah. And, uh, if that's what they're known for, yeah, I'd be all all into Tim Hortons. Mm-hmm. But uh, that does it for emails. Thanks, everyone, for writing in. If you want to write into the show, the email address is just one of the guys podcast at gmail.com. That's just one of the guys, not one of them, their guys. It's the uh, sister show to this one. You know, the one that no one really listens to. Mm-hmm. That show's a girl because yeah. it's our sister. Ah, I see. What I see. I see. Yeah. I know. Um, but uh, with emails over with, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into our coverage of the comics, which is what you came here for. And we're going to start with our coverage of US one number seven. It was cover dated December 1983 and released on August 30th, 1983. This information, of course, comes from the ever excellent Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. Cover price was $1.60 US and the title was Semi Intelligence. It's a pun. Mm-hmm. Writer was Al Milgram. Penciler was Frank Springer. Inker was Micah Esposito. Letterer Janice Chang. Colorist Ben Sean. Editor Ralph Macchio. And Editor-in-Chief Jim Shooter. My headlights stabbed at the black ink night, lighting a path for my wheels to follow. 
My exhaust pipes billow noxious fumes in the cold night air. My trailer echoes hollowly, no longer filled with goods. I've already made my delivery. The powerful engine underneath my hood rumbles with untapped power. Within the warm confines of my cab are two people. Wide low at any sits, eyes staring, mesmerized. Beside her, at the wheel, is Ulysses Solomon Archer. He is my driver, my creator, my master. Call him U.S. for short. And me, I am the truck. I am US-1. <sighs> yep, this is how this issue is going to go. Narrated by the truck. So, strap in, folks. We get a couple of pages recapping the events of the past issue with U.S. delivering the supplies to Peaceful Vista, and then the duo of Wide Load Annie and U.S. defeating Big Mike and Annie getting possessed by the Hypno Whip. We also get to see characters meeting at the shortstop and U.S. giving money from his hall to Papa Wheelie to pay for their overdue mortgage. Papa is humbled, but Annie is still under Midnight's spell. U.S. says the payment is the least he could do to make up for his foster parents for all his foster parents did for him while he searched for his brother and the elusive highway. U.S. asks if evil businessman Phil Legreed still had it in for Annie, and is a, as if on cue, Legreed shows up and starts hurling invective. But rather than doing a Toby Keith level of putting a boot in his ass, Annie apologizes for her actions and pays Legreed his money. Stunned by the lack of old lady ultraviolence. The group asks Annie if she's alright, which she replies with being tired from the trip. The family retires to the shortstop, which allows US-1 to monologue more about how he wished he could be a real boy and stuff like that when the prerequisite fight breaks out. Someone is thrown through the window, and Papa and Retread sneak away like the cowards that they are. But unfortunately for them, their retreat outside leads them to the waiting hypno-whip of Midnight. Mesmerized by the mob marauder, Midnight makes her minions march into the diner to bring out Annie and U.S. The brainwashed trio bring U.S. out to Midnight, who plans on taking control of his mind after, he's, after she's done lashing him for a while. U.S. 1, quote-unquote, looks on, unable to help, until U.S. pulls out his remote control coin and prepares to activate the truck. However, a lash from Hypno Whip causes him to drop the coin ending any hope that the truck will save him. But some kind of feedback from the Hypno-Web and U.S.'s CV skull allows him to control the rig with the power of his brain. The truck roars to life and attacks Midnight, gassing her, relieving her of the whip, and firing heat-seeking missiles at her, presumably blowing her up real good. Crisis averted and the shortstop denizens brought out of their stupor, the quartet walk back to the diner to get some of Mary's freshly brewed coffee. But unbeknownst to them, the semi that just saved them has had its computer hacked and information stolen by the shadowy visage of the Highwayman. So Ooh, I'm scared already. So what do you think about this one here, Jay? Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Definitely, we we're seeing Milgram uh, hit his stride as um, as a writer, and these um, e- even though I have a couple of problems with this issue, I would say that um, 
It is. Um, it and next issue for that matter are are leaps and bounds uh, um, above what we've we've seen so far. And what we've seen so far is not bad either. So That's true. I will say that especially after those last couple of issues, especially in the one with Big Mike, which really wasn't anything more than just some nice artwork. These are really good storytelling, despite the fact that it's kind of narrated by the truck and we're giving the truck personality. But if you overlook that minor little quibble in it, it's really a fun issue. I'm I'm enjoying it a lot, and it actually gives me a lot of hope for the uh, series turning out to be uh, a pretty good series. Mm-hmm. I will. Well, you were talking about in in the synopsis that you know about the truck wanting to be a real boy and that kind of thing, and it, it is it is kind of there's some cheesy parts, but I think. Honestly, I was I was kind of moved by the last page. I mean, where where the truck is like has to say that um, it's oh I helped save like my best friend in the whole world, but also because I'm a machine and I, I can't do it. I I you know had to give up you know information and that's gonna hurt him in the future because. Mm-hmm. And I and, and I kind of I kind of felt for the poor little poor little semi. I guess it's not really that little, but you know. Well, yeah, anyway. it's it, and it's it's interesting storytelling to to sort of animate the truck and give it a personality, and since that, yeah, it is essentially a an inanimate object that's run by computers. You know, the fact it can't if it does have this sort of sentience, it can feel general emotion that it's actually going to be used against uh, us probably in some future issue but. Mm-hmm. and i think you can kind of, mean kind of read into especially into the title the semi-intelligence that you know mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe this is not just a device maybe there actually is more to the truck than we you know know that it it, it may know things that um or, or be be more you know, that, smart, smart than other trucks. I guess. That's that's an interesting idea because I know n- near the uh, last issue, it's supposed to get kind of zany. So that might be something that it plays into. Again, I, I don't know about you, but I have not read ahead and I've only nope. read these two issues. So I'm only caught up to this. So whatever happens in the last issue, it's completely a mystery to me. So but yeah, I'm enjoying it, especially enjoying the cover. The, the cover by Michael Golden, that's just – that's some beautiful, beautiful artwork on there. It's nice watercolor of uh, Midnight standing sort of almost in a James Bond-type pose with the whip circling around her head. I mean it's just – it's a, it went much more than the last issue with Big Mike on it. This issue entices you to want to go pick up this book. Mm-hmm. I, I really love. I think the part um, of of that covers. You can, if you look really closely to uh, at midnight, you can real, realize that you know she's not just floating there as some kind of design element. She actually is standing on the on the bumper of the truck and is holding on to the grill. And I don't know. I think that's that's, that's some really nice attention to detail, and mm-hmm. it, it it feels really cool. Oh yeah, that, I didn't really think about that. I was like. Is she writing it? But now that you mention it, yeah, her hand does look like it's holding on the grill and she's standing on the bumper there. So, yeah, that's some nice design. Golden does some some wonderful artwork for this uh, for the covers on this book. And you know, I, is, I know he's is, probably, is, is he the one who does uh, the next cover, too? I believe so. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think it's Michael Golden. I can do a check later. But, yeah, 
it looks kind of like it. But yeah, the next cover is great as well. All right, so we want to go into uh, page by page notes? Yeah, we'll go page by page. Uh, Again, they're not numbered, but I guess the first page with Mm -hmm. all the narration, which I basically just copied and pasted from the book. Uh, I I know Milgram is trying to be artsy here, but it... I don't know. It didn't really work for me. It seemed kind of cheesy. I think there was a better way that they could have brought brought forth the idea that the truck might have a sentience of its own. But uh, it was just sort of flowery exposition that just didn't really work all that well for me. I don't know. I kind of I kind of liked that that first page the way I don't know it's the way that it all flows together and it's I mean it's it's very melodramatic but. Yeah, so what? It's it's a comic about a truck and a dude with a metal plate in its head. It's it, it doesn't have to be super serious. I would say. I mean, the thing I would say is that that first splash page is I'm just kind of like, eh, like it's it's yeah. pretty pretty lame to me. I mean, like it. I mean, like it. I mean, it's a good drawing of the truck, and there's some night. There's a little bit of stuff in the background, but it's it's very it's very it's kind of flat, and there's just. It, it, it almost seems a little bit like padding. Well, the one thing that I will say about you know Springer's artwork in the book, it is, like I said, it does follow the Marvel style, and his characters look very good. But you mentioned the backgrounds. A lot of things that deter from me enjoying the book a little bit more, well, not enjoying the book, but some of the things that take me out of the book are the lack of backgrounds in some of the panels. I think maybe Springer was kind of rushing things, so a lot of the panels in here are just plain white backgrounds and they just don't really work very well for me. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Springer as from what I've seen him in, in this and in, and another work, it, he does seem like he's, he's a very good artist, but he seems to be kind of always, uh, always pushing himself like a little bit too far, a little bit farther than he should be. And like, there's definitely the spots where you can see, Oh, this panel was rushed and if you know if he'd had more time this face wouldn't look so weird or there would be a, a more of a background and that kind of thing like there's definitely a lot of like you know faces kind of going like not not looking the same from panel to panel and i agree but yeah so i guess so yeah second page is a splash chase we're, yeah. on, we're on i was going to move on page three the only thing that i had to mention on page three is i think the dialogue from uh wide load annie works best if you kind of read it in a chat journal almost Star Trek pausing thing. I think it works. Uh, sure, uh, US, I'm fine. I am just tired from the fight with that we had with Iron Mike and his bikers. I think it works better. That, but maybe that's just me thinking that everything would be enhanced if people talk like Shatner. Yeah. I mean, actually, so there's like on the like f- fifth panel, like where I'm like, US is seriously like, he seemed pretty smart earlier on. And like in this, he seems kind of dumb as a brick because like, you know, as she's talking, yeah, talking in this weird cadence and not like herself at all. And, and then he's just like, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, that's all right. Good. Let's just don't, don't worry about it. Any, I'm just going to drive, drive us home. And he's just completely oblivious to the fact that, um, yeah, that, uh, nothing's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to page four, this is one of the examples where I think Springer's artwork, or at least 
his sort of lack of artwork kind of fails in the book because we get this really nice page splash from the cab of US-1 showing all the major players in the book. Well, except for White Lao Nanny, who I guess is still in the cab. But you've got... Oh, and you know, she's and she's been, you know, in all the other pages up till now. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, not so bad. But it's just the, the white, stark whiteness of the background that just kind of... I don't know whether it gives an ethereal quality or it gives it a sort of lazy quality, but everyone else on the panel looks good, especially U.S. and the two girls, Mary and Taryn. They look they look awesome. And it's a nice way to kind of if this is the first book that you picked up, uh, it's a nice way to kind of get you caught up on who the characters are and what their motivations are. Yeah, but this in this, I will say, though, it feels even more than the than the other splash page like very padded they you could put it the put up you could have put all this stuff in a lot less um a lot less page space and it's just well you know they had to you know fill that fill that space and yeah it is it is really obvious this did not need to be a splash page and it's it shows and mm-hmm. and and it was and it does seem really rushed and which is unfortunate because I, I think as we'll see in this issue and in next issue, Springer is pretty good when he really, you know, gets gets all the way uh, going. But there's, you know, sometimes things are just not not all there. Yeah, but moving to the next page, we, the, the artwork takes a turn up because it looks like Springer has had a lot more time to to uh, work on the panels because on this fifth page, the panels are filled with characters and it's filled with background. The artworks artwork looks a lot better except for the fifth panel on this page after us hands, Papa Wheelie, the money that money mm-hmm. is like the hugest, some of the hugest bills I have ever seen. If those, maybe mm-hmm. it's Canadian money. Maybe he got paid. Mm-mm. Some of the That's not, Canadian I mean, money. Canadian money. I mean, Canadian money. First of all, it's not green. Uh, for, okay. And and second of all, it's yeah. I, mean, I think it's pretty much the same size. I, mean, I don't know if I mean it'd be quite the same. I've been like that looks like he has like a video cassette in his in his uh, in his hand. <laughs> um, yeah, for for our younger listeners, if if there are any, um, that's that's what you know. That's what we did in the olden times. Uh, that you know, they were made of rocks. We put them in VCRs and we played them, and they yeah. had images on them. They're Before wonderful. Netflix, yeah, there were video. This even looks like one of the. It might be one of those clamshell cases that held the video cassettes, which were even bigger than the video cassettes themselves. So, yeah, that's kind of off there. Do you have anything on that page? The next one. I don't know. I guess the only thing is, is that you know they keep using the guy's name is is Jobber, and I don't know if if you're at all familiar with professional wrestling, but that is also a term for basically the guy that they send out to, you know, get, 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 um, beaten up Okay. before, for, I mean like the, basically the guy who gets beat up so that the other wrestler looks good. So it's not, um, I don't know. It, it, I mean, yes, I'm sure Al Milgram had no idea what that meant. And it's, it's just one of the things I was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Things popping up, but I mean, it's not, it's not a horrible thing. It's not just a thing that I noticed. I See, I think Luke Giaconetti or the hair metal hero would know more about that. Unfortunately, I'm not the biggest uh, wrestling fan. No, I mean, not, not, well, I, I, I'm not either, but you know, 
there's 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 stuff that I like, and I that is what I see, and then the rest of it, I'm just kind of like. Eh. Um, I don't have anything until page seven where uh, Phil Agreed shows up, and. Uh, um, yeah, I think that's yeah. You know, basically that page is. It's essentially cementing Legreed as a complete another jerk. I mean, not only is he, you know, yelling at him, yelling at the Dennis in the shortstop, and uh, he even in the third panel says, "Apologize, you horrid, unkempt, fat excuse for a woman." Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, like, which I mean, and you can see when that like, gets really, it's great how that page just builds and builds because I mean, and I mean the art really the art and the dialogue just really work together in that. And it's just like, as everyone is besides Annie is flipping out because, you know, they're like, she's going to murder him. Mm-hmm. Like that is, it's what's going through everyone's mind. And I love it. There's the panel where like, you know, retreads covering his eyes. Mary looks like she's fainting and it's just, Oh, it's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's some, that's some really good artwork by Springer on that panel. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it's very dynamic, almost Kirby-esque type poses there. Right. Uh, of course, they don't realize that anything's wrong with Wide Load Annie, and they just let her go along. So why not? Well, I think I think I think at this point, you know, once when I mean once she does do that, I mean like they're they're like something's wrong. But I think, yeah, they, they definitely have no clue what's going on. I mean, like, when, when, when she says, oh, I'm just tired, they go with it. And I think it, it's interesting that Papa Wheelie is uh, the only one. And this is, and this is, this is where I actually don't hate him so much, um, is that he actually is the one guy who's like, you know, I, it was like, I know that, that uh, it's not like you to uh, take this much crap without, going out and belting belting somebody so he really i mean he has he knows something is wrong something yeah. is very wrong but he's still worried and like that actually and like and that is where like i i can i can relate to him and i can uh not hate him as much as i have in earlier issues it was like oh yeah no he actually really cares about her and he's worried about what's going on because mm-hmm. uh apparently like uh, the re- unlike the rest of these numbskulls, like <laughs> he's he knows this is not right. I, yes. I, you know he's he's known her for a very long time apparently, and he's like Mm-mm, this this is not the person that I've known for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something's wrong. Oh yeah. Um, I'm moving on to the the page where the guys get thrown out of the window. I I found an amusing uh, just a little sort of Easter egg. Well sort of pun intended that the uh at the tr- at the shortstop diner the uh featured uh special is the omelet a la milgram so mm-hmm. al milgram again putting his name in there does the uh, oh and i think i didn't i mean i saw the milgram part but i didn't even think about a la milgram it was yeah like, it's like oh maybe that's what i was short for probably hmm. not though could be <laughs> um and then of course all that money that U.S. won, or not, well, that U.S., you know, gained. It's, I mean, I guess 
Yeah, there there isn't one in the next issue, I don't think, but it it does sort of seem like they're they're sort of required to at this point because there's mm-hmm. been so many. But like, it's nice that they're like, oh, there's a bar fight again, but like it's only two panels, so it or three panels, I guess. But it you know it doesn't it doesn't feel yeah, and forced. it looks like, like it looks like mm-hmm. this time not only are they losing one window, but they're losing two because if you look on that next yeah, page yeah. where Retread and Papa Wheelie are running away, there's another person being thrown out the window so man the people who had like you know window replacement services they must you know just love coming out to the the shortstop i mean they're probably one of their biggest customers but yeah and, and i think i mean i've said this last episode that, that uh maybe that's why they don't uh you know that why, why they're so behind on their mortgage payments because they have to replace a window every day <laughs> at least one sometimes more yeah, and I've got to imagine that, you know, after a while, well, maybe after a while, they just get like a bulk discount. They buy like a gross of windows and have them bring <laughs> yeah. them in like weekly. Yeah, like there's there, there's a back room that's just full of panes <laughs> of glass. And every time one comes out, they like they wait till the fight's over okay. and then Papa Wee like, you know, pop pops it into the hole that's left. And I could I could all see is that. all as well um, on that on that same page where Papa Wheelie and Retread are being the cowards that they are we get a kind of weird awkward panel where uh papu Hilly is referring to us one the truck as a girl and, yes and us one says uh i'm not a girl i tell uh, and then he says oh what the heck if papa likes to think of me as a female i guess i can live with that i'm secure in my identity which is just i know i was it, like this is one of the things that was like i mean not that it's I can't believe that they got that into like, you know, like mm-hmm. the, in, like a comics code approved. I mean, like, I mean, I guess they're just like, Oh, it's just a silly thing. But because it, it's just, it's a truck that's saying this, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Oh, it's, it's Milgram getting a little, yeah, you, you know, a little that, bit of a, th- a thing in there that, you know, maybe you don't notice, but like on, on a closer reading that you, you, that pops out and you're just like, Oh yeah, it's just, it is, it is kind of bizarre that, you know, they're talking about, uh, gender issues or, you know, uh, how a gender is defined by putting it through the eye of this inanimate object of a truck. And it's, it is, this, I guess it could be considered progressive or it could just be considered, you know, just a silly one-off thing. But yeah, the fact that it was in here and, and the fact it's discussed by people who probably would have a problem with someone who quoted themselves as being mm-hmm. a gender that they didn't think that they were might also be something, you know, to take into account because yeah. you know, I don't think that Papa Wheelie would be too keen on, someone who came in there who said that they were a girl, but actually was a guy or something like that. But that's, Mm -hmm. that's getting far too political for this. than this book actually needs to be. Yeah. That's fine. You gotta, gotta gotta get a little, a little bit of liberalism in there, I guess. Well, and uh, not that, not that there's been any type of liberalism and, in any comic books ever, or, you know, I know there are certain conservatives, you know, in books as well, but, you know, I like it when my books suddenly hint at politics, but don't like outright state them and smash you in the face with them. Cause that's when it mm-hmm. just gets difficult. Yeah. With them. yeah. Because I think that's nice when you, when you can, you can appreciate that as, as a reader, but you know, if, if that completely flies by you, that's fine. And it doesn't, it doesn't need to, you know, be, 
be a thing if you don't want it to be, mm-hmm. which I, I think is maybe a better way to do things. But, you know, yeah. who knows? Um, moving on to the next page, mm-hmm. we get uh, Midnight coming in with her hypno whip and uh, controlling the minds of Papa Wheelie and Retread, which... You know, I don't think, you know, this is actually really a test for her metal. I mean, this isn't like this isn't like conquering Iron Man or overthrowing Thor or really all that much. It's it's Papa Wheelie and Retread. I mean, you're 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 not you're not taking down the the big guns of the Marvel universe here, unfortunately. Oh, uh, yeah. There's some weird stuff going on on this on the page though. I was like, I mean, I, I do like when she's like, ha, you have felt the stroke of midnight, which I, I, I know that tickled me like that's not nearly as bad as some of the puns that we've seen before. And it, it kind of I laughed a little bit at it. But there's weird then like uh, Papa Willie's like my head. It feels all numb like the last time I ate Chinese food. Um, if, if your head feels numb after you eat Chinese food, um, it's probably either there's something that has nothing to do with the Chinese food or you should stop going to that restaurant because there's something bad in that food. That's maybe not, he was eating. That's maybe, the, I've never had food poisoning where my head felt numb. Maybe he's not, eating some of that fugu or whatever. Is that the one that you know paralyzes you? Maybe that was it. Yeah, that's Japanese though. Oh, okay. But, there you um, go. Well, yeah. you've got to take it. This that's true. That's true. He has may no not clue. make the distinction. So there you go. Oh, I don't. I don't think he would though because I think it's really expensive. I'm not. I'm not sure, but I. I. I mean, I'm assuming. Uh, okay. Because, I mean, you have to, you know, like 19 steps or whatever to prepare it so that you don't have poison in your fish. So okay. I, I, I imagine that it, it probably is expensive. I've never I've never had it, so I don't know. But it seems like something that would be pricey, especially since sushi itself tends yeah. to be. Uh, moving on to page 12, uh, the page of uh, I really like the shading, the inking on this. Uh, it gives it a nice sort of. Well, it gives us a nice silhouetted feeling, and I, I'll, I'll. We don't usually give credit to the inker on here. I'm trying to remember who the inker is here. It's uh, Mike Esposito. Mike Esposito. Uh, yeah, he's, he's. I don't know if he's good. done all of the ones with Springer, but he's. Done, I think he's done most of them. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think we might have, might have commented about like the first Frank Springer issue, and like it was inked by himself or by somebody else, and it wasn't as good. But. Yeah. But, but this this really looks good on here, and mm-hmm. you know I don't have uh, after that I really don't have any uh, uh, notes till page fourteen, which is after the center splash or the center ad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All I've got is that midnight is pretty good with that whip. Uh, you know I've because I was a kid in the nineteen eighties and Indiana Jones is all the big thing. I always wanted to be Indiana Jones, and I got myself a a whip and tried to practice with it. And I can tell you it is difficult to hit mm-hmm. anything with a whip. And the fact that midnight is riding a motorcycle and whipping at us one and hitting him with this whip while uh, retread and Papa wheelie hold him is, is a testament to how effective she is with it. So, Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to, to hit anything when you're in, on a moving vehicle, uh, even with something that's, that's much easier to use than a whip. I don't know what's going on with that whip because I mean it's really I can't tell what's going it's because it's well it, it seems to be varying in length from panel to panel I don't know I guess you might be able to 
you know, no prize that away by saying that the little tendrils or whatever there allow it to extend out and extend back in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, its length seems to vary from panel to panel depending upon what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, I mean, like, it looks like a cross between like some kind of Kirby tech and like Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man webbing, kind of. And it, it's just weird looking. Like, and I, I'm like, I can't tell. What is this thing made of? I can't. Is is it metal? Maybe. But then, if it's metal, it's. I mean, I guess, I guess if you there's some cables that would be that flexible, but it seems seems awfully flexible. Yeah, it is. It, you know, we'll just. It's a hypno whip. We'll just. That's true. That's true. Get up to that, you know. I really didn't have any more uh, until US One starts up, and uh, I guess uh, the the whole feedback thing between the hypno whip, the coin, and US One's skull plated head or metal plated skull you know it all seems like it's very convenient but it allows us one to better communicate with the truck and i'm wondering if this might actually play out further along in the story where it allows the truck actually to communicate with us one because now he's got that whole mental link where he can activate the truck with you know his cb skull rather than with using the coin so Maybe that was a way to get get around that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I will say, just over overall, I mean, these pages of of the fight with um, with Midnight uh, are just, there's some really, really nice visual storytelling going on. Like there's there's just like in the earlier earlier pages with uh, with Wide Lodani and stuff. Like it 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 feels very. Um, I mean, like the tension keeps ratcheting up, and you're just you're like. Oh no! What's going to happen? And then you're, and then he's like, "Oh, the," and then the, the, I just really like the, the one of the coin just going, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then stop, and then, and then I love the, and there's a caption there. It's like, "There goes our last hope," and I don't know. I mean, like this his, I mean, yes, I I made I complained some, about some stuff earlier on, like the the the, the padding and some of the weird art, but. Oh my gosh! Like, this is so exciting, and like, I mean, it's just the way that things are drawn mm-hmm. and the way that the it all flows together, and it's oh, it's it's really it's refreshing. I think I don't know just to see you know the, the you know something that's just well, and here's the bonkers. Thing, one crazy. thing that I didn't really notice that uh, since this was all going down near sundown, uh, a lot of the panels on the next few pages are lit by us one's headlights and you're mm-hmm. seeing you're seeing the fight go on with uh pretty much all in darkness except for what you're seeing sil- lit up by the headlights of the truck and that's that's actually kind of neat uh i guess it's a neat way to allow more blackness around there but it, it it actually makes the colors of the truck and the uh the grill and of midnight riding on her motorcycle kind of uh kind of pop out of the book yeah, I mean, like, I, I can almost hear the exciting music coming up behind it. Like, you know, just like the, there's, you know, ro- ro- rocking out as, as you know, crazy stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it really feels like, you know, uh, like an action movie in, in a comic much more than, you know, very, not, not so much superhero-y as just, I mean, yes, there are superpowers involved, but mostly it's just about people doing crazy stuff and mm-hmm. it's, it's fun <laughs> uh on the next actual sort of real note that i have 
is the page where US-1 fires some missiles at uh, midnight. Oh. And just, that's that's Wait, pretty brutal. Did you yeah. have any prior to that? Oh yeah, I did actually. I mean, like, I loved okay. uh, on the, pa- the page right before that where where um, where midnight is uh, doing her jet-assisted um, <laughs> uh, motorcycle jump. Like that, oh, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if you can actually, um, uh, jump that high even with jets but it looks awesome and <laughs> it is a, just a, I mean even though there isn't a background in it like it, it feels very connected and like the I, mean, I, just, I love the perspective you can see her just blowing into the foreground mm-hmm. and then the truck in the back and then there's little tiny papa wheelie and retread on the and US on the, on the ground it's pretty, pretty yeah. but yeah that's but yeah, yeah, oh yeah but the other one there, there's no there's no ramp there so you gotta think maybe it's uh she's got one of those motorcycles from megaforce you know could be could be um did that come out on dvds i need to just need to i think it may have came out recently i know uh tom Panarese is a big fan of it so i believe yes. he's a big fan. uh deeds de- de- not worth yes um of course yeah the, then on that x page like i said uh us one launches a couple of missiles which you know we knew he had because he fired them and that oh. issue with Baron von Blimp. But he fires him at midnight and supposedly blows her up. And then, you know, I, I think, I don't know if this, if, if it's in this issue or the next issue that they go and find out. Yeah, it's the next issue that they go and find out, you know, what happened. But yeah. It, yeah, it pretty much looks like she was blown into tiny, tiny pieces. Like it's, it's kind of scary. And this is. Yeah, again, this is kind of a thing that I'm like, I did not expect to see that in a in, in a in a superhero comic. But I, I can I can totally see a lot of the times where you get oh, um, you know the the villain accidentally falls and breaks their neck or or you know gets impaled on something or just falls down a hole. But to actually have the um, you know basically the the hero of it just start launching missiles and blow the bad guy up is kind of wow i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty nuts and Mm -hmm. you know i think you can kind of see in that that you know u.s is not a guy who screws around i mean next page we get them recovering the hypno whip so they've got that uh, and he you know u.s one is kind of befuddled by how it works and everything but he's able to release Wide load Annie and retread and Papa Quilly from the from the effects of it, which I guess is nice. Except except that I think he could have basically done nothing, and I think retread would have been in the same stone out of his gourd. I know, cause cause you, what, what he says when he's supposedly coming to, and he says, "I f- feel dizzy, wasted, yeah, like <laughs> you are every day, retread." <laughs> yes, that essentially there was just. Not much of a difference between him being his normal self and him being, you know, controlled by the hypno whip. So there yeah. you go. And and also like the just, um, it also seems like really dangerous what what US is doing. I mean, like especially when we see what happens next issue that like he's just flipping random switches. He has no idea what this will do. He's mm-hmm. only seen the mind control thing, but for all he knows, like all sorts of horrible things could happen when he flips these switches. So, I mean, that's uh, brave or stupid. 
I yeah. guess, to I, I'd do put something my, like that. I'd put my money on the ladder myself. Uh, but the last page, we get we get another great cliffhanger. Well, we get a really good cliffhanger ending uh, with the high woman having control, or at least not control, or at least access to the computer banks of US-1. So it's building on something here that, uh, you know, it really wasn't prior to this. So uh, I, I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, mm-hmm. Despite the kind of goofiness of the truck narrating a lot of the book. It's kind of funny too, at fun. the end, at the end, because it's like, um, I mean, the, tr- the truck is still narrating and then, and then the high woman responds is like, but you had no choice. I tapped into a circuit and he starts, you know, villain monologuing at, at Apparently at the truck, which is kind of, kind of amusing to me, but. Oh yeah. But if you don't have any uh, other notes for this, let's go ahead and take a look at some of the ads in here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, front end side cover was burger time. I know we covered that last time. The, I think we've covered it. I mean, like, I think that that's been, I don't know it's been the, the past three, first one, three but it's issues, been, there's been quite a few of burger time ads. Um, uh, the ABC uh, Saturday morning. Saturday morning, yeah. Scooby Doo, Little Rascals, Ready Rich, Munchie Cheese yeah. was the new one. Yeah. At Pac Man, Rubik the Amazing Cube. Oh, that was yeah. awful. Yeah, awful. and see, but you know, I think we were talking. We were talking about you know Scooby Doo earlier, but um, mm-hmm. uh, that or actually I don't know if that was on air, but I mean that I, I think it's it's very telling to to see. Uh, the lows to which Scooby-Doo had sank that um, there's an illustration of Rubik the Amazing Cube. No <laughs> Scooby-Doo anywhere. And there's uh, two Scooby-Doo shows. There's like a classic one and also new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo apparently. But uh, apparently they have, you know, they're like, oh, I guess we'll keep making Scooby-Doo because somebody will watch it. But uh I guess they're not expecting to get any new viewers by showing Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I guess not. Maybe they I, get all the new viewers from watching the Menudo shorts. Ooh. I know. That's like, oh, that's great. I love it. I mean, I wonder which, which, uh, which version was this? Cause I don't maybe... know what now. Am I wrong to think that Ricky Martin was a member of Menudo or am I just off my rocker? Cause I knew that some, I'm not popular, sure. Uh, like a Latin singer, was a member of Menudo, and I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been, but I, I'm, I, I wouldn't swear to that, but I, I, I thought so too. I'm not, I'm not sure though. Now, for those of you who don't know, Menudo was essentially one of the early, like even pre Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, and uh, even New Kids on the Block uh, boy bands, and it was mostly. I'm pretty certain it was mostly. Well, it was all Hispanic or Mexican, or at least uh, I won't say Mexicans because some might have been Central American or South American uh, members of the band in the singing group. And Menudo, I think, is actually a uh, Mexican dish, which is um, it's a mm-hmm. stew yep. based off uh, – it's got vegetables and stuff, but I think the main ingredient is tripe or yep. uh, uh, intestines, I think, if I'm Yeah, it's correct. tripe. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, Menudo. Appar- apparently, there's a different... There's also a, a, Filipi- a Filipino version that's uh, very different. So yeah. I've heard... I don't know I don't know what that is. I just remember uh, I was at a restaurant with a, a the Filipino friend, and, like, he just put, you know, uh, 
thought, oh, this is, oh, it's like that delicious soup that I remember from home. And it was apparently not, not to his liking because it's all, you know, tomatoes and tripe. That's pretty much what it is. (laughs) Uh, We've got a couple of Mexican restaurants, you know, uh, that are actually run by Mexican families out here. I mean, they're not like Mm -hmm. chain restaurants and they serve menudo out here. And I don't know, uh, I've never had it before because I knew what the ingredients are, but they seem to keep it on the menu and people seem to keep coming in for it. So someone likes it out there. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I've, I've never actually tried it though. I, I do actually like, you know, tripe and tongue and weird organ meats uh, on occasion. And in fact, sometimes I've had them on tacos and they're delicious. You are a braver man than I am, sir. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that you should go out and do that because uh, some of it is, I mean, an acquired taste or just a taste that some people are not going to (laughs) like. The next ad that I've got is the, uh, and I don't remember having this, it's Punch and Juicy Soft Bubble. And they're kind of rolled up. Uh, They look like they might be kind of like gushers. Yeah, that's actually that's what I was thinking. As I didn't, I didn't know when when that when they came out. So I didn't know like if you were at all familiar with those. Like if that was something you'd had as as a kid or I um don't or, exactly remember it. But it, that's kind no, of no, no. I'm sorry. I was I was talking about gushers. Okay. I, I was saying that. I mean, I didn't know how far back they went, and I didn't know. I mean, or if maybe you'd had them with your kids. I mean, they essentially still make those. But yeah, these are I've never seen that before. Same here. Uh, the next ad is. Oh, wait, oh, wait. I, I yeah. would like to say one thing. Um, you know, I let I understand that they're trying to go with the theme of oh, it's gum with uh, juice inside. But like the one, the fruit. Uh, I don't know. It says oozing fruit is one of them, and I'm like that. I don't. I don't. I don't want my food to ooze. Thank you very much. <laughs> Even though I just went on a thing about how I love to eat squishy things, so who knows? Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I'm just. Maybe maybe you just don't like oozing in your gum. So that's, yeah, that's could, could, it could be, could be. And then there's the NBC Saturday morning mm-hmm. and it, uh, it sounds like a, a block of television that I would enjoy watching more than the ABC one that they oh, were yeah. ad, ad, had earlier. But this ad is awful. Like it is, I mean, I mean like the, the images are not necessarily bad, but this is clearly, you know, pasted up in like, you know, 10, 20 minutes, like, uh, you know, it seems like every single image that they have is of a, has like a different resolution and it doesn't, it doesn't hold together at all. And it just, oh, it looks like a mess. Like there's this great Mr. T drawing that, but it's, you know, it's all kind of fuzzy at the edges and then you, which, and it's huge. And then you see, there's like little ones of like Thunder the Barbarian and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And there's just, you know, so much more detail and thing. I mean, like, clearly this is something that, you know, somebody just, oh, let's, let's take uh, the, you know, clip art we have of these things and just stick it all together. It's just such a mess. Mm-hmm. Well, I will, I will admit, yeah, it is kind of a mess, but it, the artwork itself, the individual artwork is really nice. I, I especially like the Thunder of the Barbarian, which is. Well, yeah, because it's Jack Kirby. So, well, it's, it's, and, it's very Kirby like, but I think. I, I mean, think he, Toth, did, he does. He yeah, does, could be. Did the design, but I think Alex Toth did the kind of really? artwork during the. It, that's what I did in my research, because I, I looked at this it and I was be. like, and actually. You know, uh, going back to some of the stuff we talked about earlier uh, in earlier episodes, this was actually created by Steve Gerber, 
Uh, he was one of the guys uh, behind writing it. And uh, actually the the sort of Wookiee-like character back there named mm-hmm. Ukla the Mock. Yeah. Uh, one of the neat things was uh, his name came out uh, from, I think, Gerber and one of the other writers going by the University of California at L.A. and seeing UCLA and changing that into Ukla for the uh, name of the character. So a little uh, bit of goofy comic book trivia. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and actually Ukla the Mock is the name of a rock band that plays songs about various nerdy things, including mm-hmm. comic books. Exactly. And they are pretty good. Um, I like their song about Mr. Potato Head. That is, that is excellent. I will have to check that out. Um, the next ad we get is for NPC Golden Opportunity Sweepstakes, and I guess... You could actually win an actual Corvette uh, if you entered and answered the questions right. Of course, the sweepstakes, you know, probably ended quite a while ago. So no chance of me getting a really nice looking 1983 Corvette. No, which is a shame because it's a pretty car. Uh, the next page is the subscription ad, which has, uh, that's a glorious looking, is the, that's got to be a dead code, Dr. Strange. I there. don't think it is actually. Really? I'm, what I'm, t- I mean, because I'm looking. Because I, mean, I don't know, I had read in the uh, in the past, like the the you know, like the first or and part of the second, I think, of the essential Doctor Strange, and I'm thinking it it looks kind of like it's uh, Dan Adkins, I think, who is like the artist who um, followed uh, Steve Ditko after um, after he quit the book. That's what I think it. Is. I mean, it could, I guess, it could. It could be Ditko, but that doesn't really, I don't know. The, the, yeah, face, the, the face looks the a little bit too doesn't. realistic to be a Ditko drawing, but yeah, I that's could true. be wrong. I was going more off the hand because, you know, Ditko always did the sort mm-hmm. of wild, you know, uh, hand gestures that uh, Doctor Strange is known for. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah it's, a very, nice. it's a very nice Doctor Strange and, mm-hmm. you know, very, very, very good. Much better than all the, I know, the other ones we've seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the bullpen bulletin for the next one, and uh, it's yes. the it's the dawn of the it's the assistant editor. I guess it was the fifth week. Uh, had a month with the fifth week, so they had the assistant editors doing the book, and this is where we got some uh, some crazy books. I don't know if this time out it came out with the uh, was it the Alpha Flight issue that was all done in white that was. Uh, snowbird fighting the wendigo in a snowstorm or am i thinking something else i'm it might be i think so could be though i don't know because it says i mean this is the checklist has alpha flight number five which i was thinking that might have been that issue or if it was maybe the issue before i can't remember though so i i don't know it's been a while since i've read those so i'm not sure Uh, but oh but uh speaking of uh or things that are related to alpha flight apparently that um in the hype box they have uh the newest issue of x-men 170 something i can't read because the ink on my copy there is smudged so i can't actually tell what the last number maybe uh because i can't i mean it could be a six could be a five could be i don't know but anyway it's the um apparently it's the first issue drawn by john romita jr on on the uh, x-men which is some of, some of my favorite stuff from him and from Chris Sermont as well. Uh, the next page is... Uh, now, I never played this game. It's another sort of role-playing game, but it's the James Bond 007 
role playing game. And I guess you get to roll up a character and play missions, uh, at, not really as James Bond, but as an MI6 agent. And you get to do sort of James Bondy stuff. So I guess that'd be interesting. But and I've actually it's interesting because uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier called um, called Nerd Poker. I don't know if you've heard that, but it's like um, it's like a D and D podcast. And oh yeah, by 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 uh, Brian Posehn, who's a comedian oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and and his and his and his friends, and they do do their little Dungeons and Dragony thing. But there was one of the things where they were talking about. Um, uh, the TSR spy um, spy game, which was called Secret Agent SI, it was kind of. But apparently, it's that um, like their their dungeon master had like had a copy of it when he was in high school, and then uh, he sold it, and then uh, he bought it back on eBay, and like like more recently, and it was the same book that he had uh, had had when he was a kid and like it still had his character sheets and stuff stuck oh, wow. in there ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, the stuff you'll find on ebay yeah so I, I will have to um say some you know nasty things about this ad though because there's some there's some tweak tweaky weirdness like there's um because like the the james bond or the i don't know the male figure and like his his arm seems to be uh disappearing on the right side like it looks like he's got something well, and Some, also something's his, not going right. Also, his left arm looks kind of wonky as well. His his yeah. arm, his bicep doesn't look. Yeah, it looks like it's been hot, hacked off halfway through the arm, and it's just been reattached to his shoulders. So. Yeah, and 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 then on the female character, there's like a little tiny bit where um, her upper thigh is is colored flesh tone for some reason, even though mm-hmm. she's wearing pants. Which is yeah. weird. It's yeah, it's a weird. I don't know what that's. I don't know what's going on with that. It's got a bit. Maybe it's a really nice composition though, and like the the just. Um, well, I it think... looks it looks good, even though there's like some weird stuff going on in there. Yeah, know. they're trying to get across the whole idea of the typical James Bond, you know, poster, and I think they're trying to ape. I guess it's the Roger Moore version of James Bond who was at this time, but you know it it does a good job. Of yeah, that does of, not look it, like it, Sean Connery. Um, yeah, it kind of they're kind of depicting Roger Moore here, but uh, you know, I don't think they could probably get the license to do it. So it's a good yeah, enough mm-hmm. takeoff that you know you can kind of understand. Yeah, this is James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, the next ad we got is Star Frontiers in the in the back, and we've covered that before. It's the TSR version of Dungeons and Dragons in space. And then in, uh, back inside cover, we've got Kool Aid Man, the video game for the in television in 2600 and i can tell you just looking at the little uh shots of the screenshots they've got at the bottom which are dinky mm-hmm. the intellivision one looks a heck of a lot more enjoyable mm-hmm. so yeah, 2600, yeah. Not bad. i saw i was i was at the but, state fair earlier and i saw somebody with a kool-aid pool shirt was that was deadpool as the kool-aid man oh, it was pretty cool Lord. I mean, like, yeah, but at the same time, I don't know. I kind of like Deadpool sometimes. And honestly, like, if there's a Marvel character that is going to jump through a wall and scream, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Deadpool. That's true. I will give you that. Uh, back outside page is the ad for Qbert, uh, which yes. is another. Oh, God, this game was annoying. Now, I don't oh, yeah. I played this on my home video game system. But I know I tried playing it in the arcades, and 
God, I hated playing into the arcades. That game was difficult because it wasn't it wasn't an up and down and left and right thing. You had to move it. You had to move the joystick at diagonals, mm -hmm. and a lot of times, if you moved not directly in the right diagonal, you would jump onto a brick that you didn't want to, and you get yourself killed. So mm -hmm. this game was just frustrating as all get out. And you can tell because the little Qbert guy is doing his little, you know, swirly exclamation point ampersand cursing thing. Yeah. And it even says, yeah, it's not easy being Qbert, but it's fun. <laughs> I question the whole fun thing. Yeah. Just I don't know. Like, I didn't mind it because like, it's one of, I don't know, one of the, the games, I guess, that my, my dad had always liked because we I mean, even went... And uh, so I played it, a, you know, a couple of times. Like, I don't think it was, it certainly wasn't on whatever this is, but I, on the 2600, but I, I think I played it on the Game Boy and stuff. And like, yeah, it is really, really hard. I mean, like, it's maybe one of the hardest games that has ever been made, I think. But I don't know, it can be fun in, in its way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree to disagree with you, sir. I thought it was hard <laughs> as heck, and I just... I could not, you know, I, I did not want to plug quarters into it. And oh I, God, no! Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't play that at an arcade because, like, that would be that's just throwing away money. That's mm -hmm. that's insane. But I mean, no, like on in your home video game system, eh, yeah, not that, so bad. That might be too bad. But yeah, that does it for this issue. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, uh, plug in a couple of promos here, and as soon as we get back, Jay has got the coverage of US One Number Eight. Oh gosh, am I going to be able to stand the pressure? I don't know. It was the dawn of the third age of comics, 15 years after the rise of the Comics Code Authority. The Bronze Age was a dream given form. Its goal? to portray superheroes in a way that was socially relevant by tackling real-world issues. It's a catch-all, a place to explore monsters, demons, gunslingers, gods, and superheroes alike. Writers and artists wrapped in house styles of sophisticated realism, creating the stuff of legends. There is no assurance of quality, but it's our last best hope for comic books. This is a retrospective of the true golden age. The year is 1970. The name of the podcast, Uncovering the Bronze Age. Tune into our feed for regular content at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Also home to the Quarterbin Podcast and the Shortbox Showcase. Together from the disparate breaches of geekdom, here in this restaurant booth are the most powerful forces of geek ever assembled. Ryan, the toy geek. Scott, the award-winning radio host. Jeff, Scott's minion. And Ron, just Ron, dedicated to truth, justice, and geek for all mankind, it's dinner for geeks. 
Dinner for Geeks proudly crusades at twotruefreaks.com. And we're back. And with here we are with the uh, synopsis of issue number eight of US1. Um, I unfortunately did not do the research that uh, Sean did, so I don't actually know when this came out, but it has uh, February cover date from J3. And the title of the story is Heartbreaks, and breaks is obviously the correlated term. It is uh, written by Al Milgram, drawn by Frank Springer, inked by Mike Esposito, lettered with lettered by Janice Chang, colored by George Russos, and edited by Ralph Macchio and editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. We uh, begin this issue with U.S. putting the truck through its paces, chasing around Papa and Retread for some reason. Unfortunately, he doesn't run them over. Ah, I know. Um... Uh, the and uh, with their fun over, the three men go back to the shortstop to talk with Mary and Annie about the situation there, mostly as a device to give us some flashback about the shortstop's financial troubles and the accident Midnight suffered last issue that left a smoldering wreck, but uh, nobody. U.S. starts to investigate her hypno-whip, the only thing that's left. Then Taryn enters, looking really beat up, almost as if she had been the victim of a motorcycle accident like the one they reminded us about two pages ago. Annie and U.S. worry over her, but Mary flips out, uh, not because this suggests that Taryn might be midnight, but because she's jealous. She really is a Stanley uh, brand Marvel girlfriend. Taryn reacts as she always does when Mary is being a pain. She makes out with U.S. and drops some sick burns on Mary as she walks out. U.S. has a heart-to-heart with Annie about how much he likes both the girls, but he is really frustrated by Mary's weakness and Taryn's, frankly, insanity. Taryn breaks into the conversation and starts asking for some tender loving to soothe her injuries. M- Mary busts in on some more making out and reveals a midnight costume that she claims to have found in Taryn's trunk. Everyone now believes that Taryn is midnight despite her pleas to the contrary. And we cut to a meeting of Stephen Fry, the vulture, and our old friend Phil Legreed, love child of Norman Osborn and Al Capone. <laughs> They are plotting to get a hold of the shortstop to sell it to a condo developer and another plan to cause the owners to miss their payment is in the works and they, they want to do that because if they can, foreclosure will be inevitable. Back at the stop, everyone is flipping out at Taryn being midnight and... She proceeds to com- confirm their suspicions by grabbing the hypno whip and engaging in some fighty McFightenstein, copyright Andrew did, that includes her drop kicking Mary. Strangely, she doesn't use the hypno whip's mind control power. 
Deciding she'd rather go be awesome somewhere else, Taryn breaks a window and jumps into the parking lot. She takes down a passing motorcyclist with the whip and mounts the still-running bike, riding off into the sunset, seeming more midnight-like than ever. U.S. wants to trail Taryn with the truck, but he has uh, no remote control as the silver dollar was busted last issue. But then he begins to discover his truckopathic powers. Copyright War Rocket Ajax and Brian Clevenger sometime, I don't know. Um, as the truck moves by his mind's action. This is viewed with interest by the highwayman and a mysterious other figure. U.S. Uh, catches up to the truck, mounts up, and the chase ensues. He assaults Terran with a barrage of smoke, oil, and terrible jokes from the narrator. The grappling hook pulls down the cycle, flinging Terran into the oil. Annie and the boys surround her, spewing all the circumstantial evidence they've collected. They pile on her, and she pulls out the hypno-whip one last time and gets tackled by all of them. She pushes a button on the whip, and it ignites the gasoline, throwing her attackers away in a burst of Kirby crackle. When the smoke clears, Taryn is lying lifeless without a pulse. They wonder why she'd do something so dangerous if she was Midnight, and we see the answer as the real Midnight comes up and picks up the Hypno Whip. Okay, one without the band. 18 wheels and a dozen roses. 10 more miles on a four day run. A few more songs from the all night radio. Then he'll spend the rest of his life with the one that he loves. That is uh, issue eight of US One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, like I said before, this these comics have been kind of gotten a bad rap over the time, and I think it's just because the general concept was sort of tossed off as being goofy or out of date at the time. But there's actually some really good cliffhanger scene here and some really good action and some really enjoyable writing. Uh, you know, uh, despite some of the puns that we have during the fight sequence, mm-hmm. uh, I like it. And the, the cliffhanger ending here, uh, I, I, I don't think you could ask for better. Uh, yeah. I mean, this, I think, I don't know how to feel about this because on the one hand, I'm like, uh, I told you so. And that, uh, Midnight is totally not Terran, which I was absolutely right about. Um, but now I'm kind of bummed because it looks like she might be dead. I mean, I know this is a comic book and, you know, stuff could happen. And, you know, she's just, you know, they could send her to the hospital and she might just be fine. But Well, she's she's proven to be pretty tough. And if it were actually her who got injured, and because you see in those panels, she was pretty pretty beaten up so yeah i mean like i think the thing it really it really uh kind of builds your sympathy for Taryn uh even 
even if you're not sure whether she's midnight or not, because like the injuries that she has look really bad and, it, and they kind of, it almost suggests like an abused wife or something. And like, mm-hmm. there's especially like on the very last, you know, like as they're about to, to jump on her and then like, there's just a panel of her face and you can just see the whole, whole eye is just swollen up closed. And it's kind of, I mean, it's not, super graphic but it's it's just like really upsetting and you're you're kind of you feel for her she's like you know i mean yes she's uh strong-willed and she's you know very much her own woman but at the same time she's been in some horrible accident she's beaten to god knows what and Mm -hmm. you're pretty sure she's not who they think she is and they're just kind of you know beating on her for no reason and being really vicious as as they were towards uh the real midnight in in last issue i mean like there's just like you know smoke and oil and throwing yeah. something like they they, they they didn't i don't they didn't actually shoot missiles at her but um there's yeah it's nasty yeah. <laughs> um starting off with notes uh again i want to talk about the cover this oh, is yes. this is perhaps one of the best ones. Mm-hmm. I uh, think I think yeah. Uh, up to this point, I would say I think this is the best. <laughs> I mean, and it's not just because the golden really draws the women in the book just really well, and I think he captures kind of the the essence of them in their poses. We've got uh, Taryn, you know, kind of turned around, showing her backside, looking all well, looking very strong, and then we've got Mary in the maid outfit or in the waitress outfit looking very pure and then midnight in the background it's all really just a great composition and we've got the image of us one moving to the right at the bottom and the image of the the highwayman kind of yeah that that i think is is one of the really great bits about it's that highwayman image in the back because i didn't even notice that until like i was going back again to do notes and i was like oh my gosh that's i mean that's i mean it's such a cool thing and in um, uh, no, no offense to Springer, but I think, uh, the one thing that d- did kind of, uh, throughout the book is like, when, when you see the highwayman, like he doesn't really look all that scary. And like the dude on this cover, mm-hmm. uh, is kind of terrifying. He looks like, you know, some like demon Dracula, God knows mm-hmm. what, and it's well, really creepy. Yeah. One of the things I'm noticing here is that the page is kind of broken up by the tailpipes of US1 mm-hmm. into two halves and we've got Terran and the and the uh highwaymen on the left side of the cover and uh Mary and Midnight on the other half. And now we haven't had it confirmed that Mary is Midnight, but of all the major characters in that yeah. last panel, the only one who wasn't there was mm-hmm. Mary. So mm-hmm. Again, like I said, I don't know, but it's looking that Mary might have actually been Midnight, and I don't yeah. know where we came down on that. I think I may have came down on the on the fact that Taryn might have been Midnight, but uh, yeah, and I was like, I think I went the I think I went the other way. Yeah. So, but, so yeah. it may be it may be possible that you know you were right there, but yeah, the cover well, I mean, could lead some credence to it. Pretty obvious. I mean, like I guess I guess maybe it is they're just trying to mess with us, but it seems pretty obvious that Taryn isn't Midnight. Mm-hmm. Whether Mary is or not, I think that's uh, yet to be yet to, to be, be said. Yeah. Though it's certainly certainly seems like it yeah the, but then it's it's it seemed like Terran was midnight the whole issue until like you know i mean like there's weird stuff and things that you can piece back together 
uh, going back over and you're like, oh, yeah, no, clearly she's not because she doesn't know how to use this, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't use how to use the whip and stuff. But at the same time, you're, you're kind of, well, they I, I, lead you to believe it all the way up until the point that she's like lying uh, dead in a pool of oil. And then the real midnight comes out and is like, hi, <laughs> it's kind of, wow. Yeah, but, that, but the, the composition on this cover, you know, gives kind of credence to the idea that Mary might be there. But it also, if you take that, it also gives credence to the fact that Taryn might be in league with the highwayman. So, or I know. guess, and for all we know, she could be the highwayman. I mean, I guess, no, I guess not actually, because there was the scene here where where the yeah. highwayman was watching Taryn being chased on the motorcycle. So I That's guess true. it seems, but I mean, but I guess, you know, we think it's a highwayman, but it might, I mean, it could be, it could well, be, yeah. a, it could be a woman. I mean, like it's, I don't know if we've really seen enough to know that it's not like a mask and something. I mean, true. Apparently, the highwayman loves him some masks, as we yes, found out earlier does. in that horrible, horrible oh, issue. Oh yes. Oh boy. But that that. No, let's talk about nice things. Let's That's true. Things. Well, let's talk about nice things like US One trying to run down Papa Wheelie and retread. Yeah. Uh, if only this were what he was actually trying to do, I think it would have just improved the book so much more i, I mean maybe like, not papa wheelie but just at least retread yeah i will say though like it, i mean like it does it does seem kind of weird like this is maybe the one part i'm like hmm it seems odd because yes uh it almost seems like fan service like like saying yes we know you hate these characters so we're gonna give you a little bit of catharsis as to like oh they're getting they didn't die but like they're getting chased around by a semi and they're like freaking out but it doesn't actually seem like something that you that us would do. I mean, like he might, you know, might pull a prank or something. But like, I, I, I mean, he, I don't think he would do that to people that he considers friends, mm. or you know, and and especially the guy he is kind of his surrogate father. Yeah. But it doesn't that doesn't make it less awesome. But at the same time, like, <laughs> I, I, it, it maybe stretches credibility a little bit that he would actually pull a stunt like that. True. I don't know. However, on uh, on the next page, on page two, on panel five, uh, looking at that grappling hook that uh, the truck shoots out of uh, its side and into the tree. Now, I'm not a physics major, but I did take physics and seeing where that where that grapple came out and the placement of U.S. or of, of retread and Papa Wheelie in there, if it grabbed onto that tree. Mm-hmm. The back wheels of that would still spin in a circle, yeah. and it would take them both out. I mean, it wouldn't have stopped the truck cold. The truck would mm-hmm. still be moving, and yeah, they they would have been hit by the back wheels of the truck. Yeah, especially because in the, in that second panel where you see them and the truck, like they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, Retread's leg is like just about to be run over by the the well, one of the tires, and mm-hmm. like if it was really spinning like that. Uh, I mean, they might not die, but they would certainly get hurt. Yeah, they'd get knocked back, but yeah. I do like Hopefully. it. And, and then Retread's like, are we dead yet? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just like, oh, we, uh, we we wish, but no. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Retread, no, you're still alive. The 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 next page, uh, of course, you know, Papa Wheelie being the uh, consummate uh, health nut that he is after getting winded and everything, just, what does he say? He needs to go get a needs to go get a cigar, go get a cigarette. Yeah, he lights up. Yeah, in that fifth panel, lights up a big old stogie. Because after doing a you know bit of heavy running from you know a out of control truck and 
almost dying from it. Mm-hmm. The first thing you want to do is light up a big old, you know, cigar and take a big old whiff at that. So Papa yeah. Wheelie, ever the health nut. Yeah. I mean, like, it's probably not good for your health, though. I do kind of understand that as, you know, most people who, ha- you know, use nicotine, whether it's cigarettes or, or I guess cigars too, maybe, but it seems to be more of a, even though I don't, I mean, even though it makes you more anxious and weird, but like they, I mean, like, it's kind of like a, a soothing thing. I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, so I mean, he's just like, um, you know, I'm terrified. So I will go, I will go suck on my, uh, uh, cancer hot dog and it will be great. <laughs> oh Lord. Um, the next page here, I guess, page four, after we get the recap of what happened in the last issue, we actually get the image of them, uh, the members of the shortstop going out to check out the wreckage. So this is where I remember seeing them checking that yeah. out. Yeah. It looks like it, uh, blew the motorcycle the bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, they didn't find anywhere. They didn't find anybody. And as you know, in any good comic book, if there's no body, that means that, you know, chances are the, uh, antagonist survived. So, yep. So I think it's interesting. Like, like they're talking about, you know, this like, Oh, we've got another mortgage payment due, and that seems odd, and pre- because like I mean, the way the issue is is presented, it seems like especially when when Taryn comes all beat up, and eventually they decide that she was midnight, and that that was from the accident. Um, then uh, that would mean probably that this is I mean it could be happening like the next day, but like that's about as far as it would go, I would think, and so. When they paid the they paid the mortgage last issue, so why did they need to pay it again so soon? Like, I mean, yes, they have to pay in another month, but it's I mean, this is the next day, and they are panicking. Like, they must just be really strapped for cash. Either that, or you know, they're on a really weird payment schedule, like a weekly payment schedule. Yeah. And or maybe just, this is just a way to say, oh, these are the things that are going on in this comic. This is this is uh, these be. are the problems that are coming. There is a crazy lady on a motorcycle who might be dead and but probably isn't. And also there's a mortgage and mm. bad things will happen. Uh, the next page, oh. we get the entrance of Taryn into the into the shortstop. And yeah, I agree with you on and these panels. I really feel for Taryn. I mean, she does have that look that she was in either a fight or she was in a wreck or something, but she looks pretty beat up here. And unfortunately on this fifth panel on the page, Mary's not very, I mean, she's, she's just being a downright bitch to her. I mean, that, and I it's, mean, it's, kind hor- of, it's horrible. It's yeah. Horrible. I, I mean, uh, she, the, she has no reason to, you know, I know that Taryn is, has been, kind of manipulative and try and been, you know, sort of grabby on us. And I understand there's a problem between her, but she's obviously hurt here. She's obviously beat up. You can see her, you know, her pants are torn up. There's bruises on her cheek. You know, she says that she was in an accident, you know, a little bit of compassion, but no, we don't get any from Mary. And that's kind of, mm-hmm. that's kind of out of character for her in the book. So, yeah, I mean, we wonder like, is that you know maybe there's a split personality or something like this is this is midnight coming through or something. If right. if she is midnight, we don't know. Again, that's true. It she might be, be, but 
but it is really i mean she just seemed like really i mean like they she always seems really mean when she's going at Taryn, but i mean it is i mean because i mean she doesn't even go to like what comes up later but they're like oh she was in an accident you know and she, maybe she's the one who you know maybe she's really midnight and because it is really suspicious but you know she's not she's not mad because uh she's like oh Taryn's totally midnight. She's mad because, uh, you know, she's not getting attention from Annie in the U.S. Like, that's just, that's just not nice. Yeah. But <laughs> well, unfortunately. Why aren't you, why aren't you paying attention to me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I mean, like, it's really, it's really frustrating. Like, it's just, it's like, this is like Gwen Stacy stuff. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. On the next page, however, all the sympathy that uh, Taryn garnered from coming in all beat up and bruised is kind of taken away because she pulls the whole trying to make Mary jealous thing with kissing U.S. So, uh, again, these women both have just these weird mood swings going on that are just – I don't know whether it's sad stereotypes with where they're writing them or whether they're just writing the characters to be like this. But on that last page, I felt a lot of sympathy for Taryn, but then she kind of just throws it out the window by being her same old, uh, not really manipulative, but sort of trying to get at Mary's self. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's definitely, um, there's, you know, you can decide which of these things, but I think it is definitely, even though I like Taryn, I think there's definitely a, a level at which the, these these characters are are sort of being used as plot devices. I mean, they're sort of I mean, it, it kind of goes into it later, like you know that U.S. is you know he's torn between these two women just you know because he has to be, I guess, because that's, mm-hmm. that's sort of how it works. There's some there's some really great lines on that on that page though that like um like where uh, Annie says uh, when when uh, Taryn's lay- laying the smack on, um, on, on us, it says, don't you worry, none, Mary cooking last kiss and don't, which is, <laughs> is it, I, 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 uh, you know, that, that's, that's a fair it, point. <laughs> that's a really sort of, uh, you know, it, it, it suits her character. It's kind of a great right. brotherly type line, you know, the women who, uh, you know, satisfy you with the romance and everything aren't going to do the ones who will sit there and, who cook for you. And that may be sort of an antiquated type feel, but it, I think it works for the character of, of Annie. I think that's kind of her, her sort of quaint grandmotherly type line. And yeah, I like that. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess I did like the, and then like the last line on the pages that, um, after us is like, you know, she's an nurse. She's like, why is she mad? I don't, I, I didn't do anything. I just don't understand women. And she's like, Hey, I'm a woman. Now I don't understand women. Uh, but then again, maybe that's why I became a truck driver, which kind of, I don't know, that kind of ruins it. Like, that's not, but I, I think that's. Well, I think up until th- the truck driver thing, I think it's, I think it's nice because it's, it's her having some empathy for us. But that, right. You know, she doesn't, you know, even though she's a woman, she doesn't get all the, all the baggage that sometimes uh, at least these two women are bringing up against each other because right. she's just, she, she doesn't feel the need to act that kind of way or to act out the kind of way that these two women are, especially around us. So, mm-hmm. but of uh, course that's cause she's kind of like his mom. So like, it would be weird if she was like trying to uh, garner his affection in some way that would not be, but I mean like she, I mean like whether or not, cause like, I think we still are kind of, I don't know about this, 
but like, like are, are she and Papa really involved in any way? I have no idea. That's very I, bizarre. I can't I, tell. I believe, I believe they may, may have been and might be currently, but yeah. that, that's one of those things I just don't want to think about all the time. I don't know, but I guess, but I guess it's sort of like, you know, she's in a, in a nice, uh, in, in a settled place. And like, she doesn't need to, um, she doesn't feel the need to prove herself like these, like the other, other women in this story do. And I think, and that's, it's certainly interesting, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was feeling with that whole that whole idea that, yeah, I mean, uh, people want to say that, oh, that they understand how women's minds work or they understand how men's minds work and that kind of thing. And it's um, and it's one of those things where it's like, well, sometimes like it's very um, <laughs> it's there, there are things that you can kind of, you know, set your clock by. And then there are some stuff that is just. You never know because mm-hmm. people are crazy. <laughs> True. Not just in this book, in real life. No, no. <laughs> so speaking of people are crazy, on that on that next page, on I guess page seven, where Terrell, Terran starts coming on to US, I was kind of worried that it, it was going to turn into like into that David Cronenberg film crash, and I was going to oh. be all creeped out by oh, that. Oh, whoa! Okay, yeah. well, we're, we're, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta ask, where are you getting that from? I don't know. The fact that Taryn's all beat up, she's just been in a. She says she's just been in a traffic accident, and now she's coming on to U.S. Okay. and wanting to be okay. all lovey-dovey. So, right. Ugh. right, fair enough. Yeah, and especially like on that one where she's like sitting in his lap and like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of weird because she, I mean, you, like her black eye is very prominent, and she's just smiling like la di da di da. I just got seriously injured in a car accident, and I'm but so it's excited. Okay. Yes, yeah, I am really turned on by this. Apparently, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thankfully, I that's not one of the Cronenberg movies that I've been able to watch all the way through. I, I've seen a lot of his stuff, and yeah, the, that one just kind of. But, I just always think about that because they think is there's the other one that that you know won all the Oscars and whatever that's absolutely and completely different and I I just it amuses me to think of the people that uh, uh, mistake one for the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one that you don't want to you know the one about the uh, the the it's the drug sort of gang thing in uh, I think L A and and the yeah one for like. Uh, best song i think or something the mm-hmm. three six mafia or something one i think for best song for it or something but yeah it had a lot of uh oscar nominations at that time and say oh i'd like to go see crash and you pulled up the david cronenberg movie and you watch you know james spader and what holly hunter getting it on after a debilitating car crash Ugh. Yeah, James Spader's in so many like like I mean I don't know I think he hit a point like where all he did was weird sex movies like mm-hmm. like that oh, and yeah. there's like Secretary and like yeah like I just want to think of him as 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 when he was you know he's the guy in Stargate and it's night nice. and then I'm like oh I mean I can't, I mean not that I don't like Secretary but like that is a weird movie yes. and like I'm not sure how to feel about James Spader's I... character in that movie or just James Spader as a person I'm not sure yeah I'm gonna but, I'm gonna ignore that and move on um yeah that really has nothing to do with this at all does it but yeah oh I mean I guess then it's yeah I, I, mean, I keep, keep continuing to talk about that that amazing like like this is I mean the, the other issue is nice but like there's just so much good stuff in this like I mean I love like when the I know all the, the kissing scenes are all great and like the where she's uh you know 
over his head and oh, I don't know there's just so much I don't know like it's just drawn very prettily even when there's like you know she's got a black eye and stuff like I don't know it's just very I mean you can you can see oh this this is what happens when Frank Springer has time to draw the issue mm-hmm. yeah the artwork is much much better in here um moving on to the next yeah, page yeah. we get a little comedy beat here yes. after uh Mary, uh, you know, accuses uh, Taryn of being midnight as as she sort of pushes her over and she falls onto the floor. I like mm-hmm. the onomatopoeia there. Yes, the of, sound effect is rump. Yes. She lands on her butt. <laughs> yes, I thought that was I thought that was amusing. And then the the next panel with Mary, you know, standing there just looking furious and sticking her finger out and accusing. Taryn of being midnight mm-hmm. that's just I think her thumb might be broken though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah her thumb is completely <laughs> elongated her thumb is longer than her forefinger holy cow <laughs> i just noticed that right now i'm like wait that thumb's not right that's a I terrible mean, thumb I was what gonna, was going on there i was gonna say you know that's a really great image but yeah now that i look at that thumb that's maybe she's one of those maybe she's a uh, race of that alien that we saw in issue uh back in issue five you know, and she's got the weird fingers or something. Who knows? That was a great last panel, too. Like, that really, like, hammers home, like, I don't know, maybe even a little bit too much. I uh, Like, that, where, where you know, she's, she's, uh, Taryn's just standing there, you know, like, with her black eye that looks, I mean, in some of the other panels, it doesn't look so bad. And, like, in this, it looks awful. Mm-hmm. And, and she's just standing there, like, with this look of disbelief on it. Uh, on her face and was like what what you don't believe nope you know you don't believe me what what's going on i mean there's that you see like everyone has turned on her and you kind of have to feel that i think i don't know and springer's got some really good facial expressions on all the character from annie to papa wheelie to even retread looking at her they've Mm -hmm. all got these really good expressions of uh doubt of what she's saying and uh i'll give credit to springer when he does the artwork when he has time to do the artwork even though the backgrounds aren't that uh detailed in these panels doesn't really need to be because he's doing really great artwork with the facial expressions i like that a lot better Mm -hmm. um i love the fact that that you quoted the characters as you know oh who was a jonathan jonathan ross no, I said I said the the vulture Stephen Fry, yeah, Stephen Fry, and, uh, that's what I was thinking. The cross between Al Capone and Norman Osborn. Yes, because he does have the Norman Osborn. I mean, yeah, like there's the, the the third panel, and like it looks like I mean he's he's got the Norman Osborn hair, but then like his face looks like Al Capone. Yeah, he's like the... the big thing in there, and that dude is totally the vulture. Like I don't care what you say, like that's mm. the vulture. Yeah, I have just, I have decided I've decided it's the vulture, and I will brook no uh, disagreement. I, I agree with you. I I can't. can't I do like though. You can see though here on the um, the uh, marquees outside the uh, building when they they show the exterior, and that apparently uh, the firm is Clutch, Grab, and the Greed, which I love. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> And it's, also they're not going for subtly, are they? Yeah, and there's and apparently there's also a, a Springer's and a Milgram's that are mm-hmm. right by there. I mean, those, two those convenience are, stores, yeah, all, yeah, all or over there. Hardware, who knows what they're selling? Uh, Sp- Springer's kind of looks like a like a convenience store. Milgram's looks more like a hardware store to me, that but it's hard to tell. They're they're not super defined. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
next page, we just get more acquisition from everyone again. You know, really good artwork and expressions from the characters, except Retread just, he just still looks stoned. I don't care. I, uh, Retread could be written out of this book, and I'd be completely fine with it. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, well, we're like, you know, in, in, the, in the page before, or not, the, but I mean, the, the last time we saw it, we're, it was sort of, it sort of seemed like, you know, what's wrong with these people? Why do they think that she did that? I mean, there's there's no real proof. And then and she just like, you know, I was like, how can she hurt her case the worst? Mm-hmm. Let's pick up the weapon of the villain that you think that I am and I'm gonna start attacking you with it. Like mm-hmm. that is maybe not Taryn's brightest move. <laughs> yes. But I do like on that next page, the panel of Mary just leaping at Taryn. The composition on that panel is just wonderful because we've got this incredible leap from mary just flying vertically at uh or horizontally over at taryn and taryn spun around and brandishing the whip it's just really good artwork on that yeah like this is i mean like that page i think is one of the best fight scenes uh certainly in this comic i think honestly that i have you know best fight scenes that is are, is not uh, drawn by Jack Kirby. Like it is great. I mean, like mm-hmm. Mary's just flying across the room Well, and, and, and then, and then, she, and then she goes and then she's, you know, catches up to Taryn and then Taryn drop kicks her into everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then Taryn throws the whip out the window to break it open. And she goes Whoop! out the window. It's, yeah. it's amazing. And that, that second panel on that page, the, Annie, U.S., Papa, and Retread, that is, if anything, a Fantastic Four running pose if I've ever seen it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not that I want to give Retread the credit, but he, he's he got the sort of Human Torch, Johnny Storm look running there. And that's just, it's really glorious artwork throughout yeah. this entire page. Although I will say the one thing about it, though, is that kind of doesn't work for it being a Fantastic Four thing is that both uh, Annie and Papa Wheelie look like the thing. Yeah, but. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Annie is not the spelt little uh, Sue Storm or Sue Richards characters. Uh, no. Disappointing. We get more puns on the next page as uh, and more uh, sort of. Uh, of ter- yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. What? Of, of Terran possibly being midnight because what does yeah. she do? Yeah. You know, it doesn't help her case that she uh, jumps on a motorcycle and rides it off. You know, but not saying that Taryn couldn't ride a motorcycle, but yeah, she's not helping her case by grabbing the weapon of the person that she's not supposed to be and riding a motorcycle like the person that she's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's I mean, just another, like, of just Taryn just being flat out awesome. Like, she's just uh, running with the whip flying behind her, and then she just goes up and lassoes the guy, and he's flipping out. It's like, the food here must be really bad if they have to get customers like this. <laughs> and she jumps on the... Oh, man. Oh, man. There's just... I. It's hard, it's hard to find things to say, because I'm almost... I'm just at this point it's just like holy crap everything in this is awesome like it's Mm -hmm. just wall to wall crazy action and it's great i mean like it's 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 really hard to find i mean yeah maybe there's not as many backgrounds like something like we said earlier but like overall like it is just it flows so nicely and there's all this cool stuff going on Uh, Uh, oh wow uh, 
the only note that I well the next note that I really have is on the page where you get the uh, the highwayman looking on and it is kind of that weird that weird perspective where it's shot from who knows where there's just like a camera floating above them or whatever but you know you just take it it's part of a Marvel comic and we get to see the highwayman is not only watching what's going on with us and the truck and Terran and, and cackling maniacally with his hands raised above his head, but mm-hmm. there's someone else watching as well. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea who it is, but obviously he's a guy who, uh, likes David Letterman, I guess. Yeah. I, that's a great list. <laughs> it's like, yes, the end of this strange ones viewing for the evening, at least until the David Letterman show comes on. That's was like, this was this was this when he is this after he moved to CBS? Was this no, like I when he was? Well, uh, this was him when he was big. I think this was this was late, when he was the, doing the the what what um doing the late l- show. late night or yeah, yeah late or the late show yeah no know. late show was CBS it was late, yeah, late show C- yeah yeah it's before late Conan night. took over and before jo- I think Johnny was still doing uh, the Tonight Show yeah time. so I think so yeah and oh why did I say before that it's like. I think that the we were talking about onomatopoeia, and I do love that when, um, I guess I guess it's actually just a continuing of what she was saying. But the when uh, that Taryn jumps on it and it's like holding onto the handlebars, and then there's like bike yes, falling she, after her. Oh, it's just <sighs> it's really fun, frantic artwork throughout this. Just awesome. Um, there's a weird there's a weird panel though on the one page where it's like. Um, where it's like it's flashback talking about like you know how he's so something's going on with his skull and the coin and the whip or whatever i don't know that's giving him his you know truck controlling powers with his brain and like that last panel like it really looks like it looks like some kind of a golden age comic or something like the line work is super yeah. chunky and it's very odd i don't know what that yeah, it does look it off, especially from the panel before, because U.S. looks fine in that panel, and the shading and everything on his jacket looks good. But yeah, the, especially all the speed lines coming off him look really. It looks like, it looks like somebody else drew it. It kind of be. almost yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Um, just just more friending. Oh. I was kind of tired of the puns in that one panel where. Uh, Taryn skidding through the oil, but the look of agony on her face, uh, especially on all this page. I mean, the the second panel where you see the speed lines and she's getting the smoke and she's tearing up and everything, and then he shoots out the oil slick to try and. I mean, it's just you feel for her. there's yeah. heartbreak for her and even if even if she is midnight suddenly it becomes like a thing where i mean like you're uh it's it's different when he's like you know i mean like it's still upsetting and weird when he's like you know launching missiles at midnight in the previous issue but like uh when when when, you know to see like her pain and her suffering through these these things and you're like this is really horrible like why is Mm -hmm. i mean what has she really done that's so bad to deserve this and it's it's really it's i mean like yeah like i was saying before you you start to really you know feel for her you're like i I don't know i mean i don't know if she is midnight or not but this is not cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially you know if you think of her as a friend 
that that they're not you know granted she hasn't made the best of you know to made the best case to define that she's not midnight but still they they are doing some horrible things to her and you can see that she's pain throughout all these panels mm-hmm. and like i was saying about mary like i mean if it is man i think it probably is some kind of split personality or something because like i mean you know clearly the person that taryn is wouldn't wouldn't do those kind of things but you know and then so then maybe they're just you know uh chasing after and assaulting a mentally ill person which is not cool i mean like it's it's very weird to feel like this you're like you're like this is you know are, are the characters doing the right thing is mm-hmm. you know it's very uh, and it's nice because i mean we talk a lot about maybe how it, it's very crazy and over the top and not meant to be taken too seriously, but like stuff like this is really like, Oh, there's a lot of nuance in these characters. And, and you got to wonder like, what's, mm-hmm. you know, what you, you start to think about what's going on behind their, their heads and what, why are they acting this way? And it's very, it's, it's more thinky than you would think a book about a truck that, you know, is magic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, it's very, yeah. Uh, the next thing I want to comment is is the panel where they finally down Taryn and everyone surrounds her. And that, that fourth panel there where you see Taryn putting her hand up and just how bruised she is. And Springer does a great job at conveying that she has just had the living crap beaten out of her. And, yeah. You know, it looks like something from like a Lifetime movie or something. Like yes. this is like the, you know, battered wife who is like weak but she's trying to raise her hand to stop her husband from hitting her again mm-hmm. like it's very it's it's pretty dark i mean you're that wow um you know and and they're still no uh, but but at least they're approaching her they're you know now that she's down they're not trying to pile on her and they're still trying to reason with her but she keeps i think reason is maybe that's kind of a strong term because like they're just sort of you know i mean like all the, you know, things that they're raising towards her, they're like, I mean, there are things that can be explained away. Like, how do you explain the Midnight's costume being in your trunk? Well, uh, maybe somebody else put it there. Why'd you grab for that rip? Well, it was the thing that was right next to me. You sure took to that motorcycle like a natural? Well, maybe I've ridden a motorcycle before. And and then, but then you was just like, oh, yeah, all the evidence does seem to point to you. And it's like, are, are you guys insane? I mean, it's, like, yeah, it is very circumstantial, very yeah. circumstantial. Yeah. Though I guess maybe the thought is that you know, I mean, I think they may have say that say later that, but they're like, you know, oh well, she did try to kill him in issue two, like you know, to have him like drive the drive the truck into the into the cliff or whatever. So I mean, yes, yes, she has you know tried to kill him, but still, it's very, it's very it, tenuous. It's a very tenuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're certainly not, uh, yeah, much more brutal than I think that you would you would think of in a, mm. I mean, at least at least in a comic of this time, like maybe maybe not in in the '90s or something. Like maybe they would you know have er hard gritty whatever. But mm-hmm. but 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 I but the, even that I don't think is is maybe taken as seriously as this is, which yeah. again is weird in a book like where a couple issues ago there was a, a guy who looks like foghorn leghorn and they're riding chickens or I mean, they're right riding chick they're, they're you know running running chicken parts to an alien with a maze full of i mean like mm-hmm. yeah it is kind of a tonal shift you're like wow 
Yes. I mean, I love it, but it's still like, whoa, this is something totally different than the book has been up to this point. Yeah. And then we get, you know, the pages where Taryn, we don't know whether inadvertently or intentionally activates something on the whip that blows him up real good and maybe even kills her. And that leads to the final page, the final splash page where you get the reveal of midnight standing above Terran. So <laughs> this is, this is another good cliffhanger ending. And yeah, it is kind of diminished by not having much of a background in that final panel, but just the reveal of Terran not being midnight is just good enough to make me want to read the next issue. Yeah, and I love that. that. Like the little panel up before the reveal where you see, you know, just see her, their Midnight's gloved hand reaching out to grab the whip. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's really good. And mm-hmm. yeah, again, like I said, I wasn't expecting something like this to come out of this book. I was expecting to be by this point in the, the series to be going, uh, just end. But no, I'm actually really looking forward to what's going to be happening in the next issue. And uh, I guess that's a testament to to the book and, and maybe a, another thing that I shouldn't listen to, you know, ex- the general opinions of people. Because this so far has been actually a pretty fun read. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you don't have any more notes, we'll go ahead and uh, do the ads for this issue then. Yeah. I, know, I guess I would say one thing is that, like, I, I do appreciate, though, because, I mean, I guess... I think both of us and probably me in particular were sort of harping on the fact that, you know, Annie and the guys are, you know, really going crazy on Terran. And like, I do like at least that, you know, once, you know, once they've obviously screwed up really bad and she's looked, you know, seems like she's dead. Like they're actually, they're, you know, they are really remorseful and they're like, Oh wow, Mm -hmm. we made a big mistake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if even if she was who we thought she was, which uh, obviously we know she's not, but yeah. anyway, that's good. All right, yeah, uh, th- th- I think that's it. Yeah, sorry, sorry, man. <clears throat> no problem. Uh, maybe talking a little bit too much. Oh no, it's all good. The front inside cover is an ad for probably the most uncomfortably named fitness material, DP. Well, which I guess is diversified products, which, you know, thank goodness, because I don't want to know that DP is any other letters. But it's got this sort of, oh, high school age guy working out. He's got a uh, a bench press in his uh, room and he's uh, doing kind of dumbbell like, curls. Like Ian Zeering or, you know, the guy from, from, uh, from yeah, he kind of does. Beverly Hills. I'm like a little bit. And but I don't know. But yeah, this this thing is creepy, though. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, it, there's nothing like wrong or like uh, specifically like disgusting or upsetting about it. But there's just something about like I look at this picture and I'm like, I don't like this. This makes me feel weird. I don't know. It's well, very... it's just this kid in this very bare room with weird plaid wallpaper and all he's doing he doesn't have really much on the wall i think he's got one picture on there then he's got i think some skis and a baseball bat and basketball uh in the background (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he's i mean he's pretty fit he's got a pretty good uh right bicep so uh Mm -hmm. 
I mean, almost, but it's kind of creepy because, like, on the one hand, he, like, he looks like a little kid, but at the same time, he's got, like, this ripped, like, bodybuilder man mm-hmm. arm. It's kind of like, ooh, that's weird. Yeah. So. Well, I know in college I had a really ripped uh, right hand, but that's, that's something to talk about. We don't <laughs> hey, need to now. talk about that. No, no, we um, don't. I mean, goodness <clears throat> gracious. You were talking about crash. Jeez, I thought I was the one that was going to derail yeah, this into horrible, horrible things but uh, but wow wow yeah no Uh, let's move on to the next one for you though like i mean uh, spread it out you know uh the next ad i don't get this a million uh, it's a one million dollar christmas rebate spectacular i guess it's spider-man and santa claus in a trucker hat yeah advertising for fishing rods yeah I don't know. Yeah, that's I like that. It does say like ask dad to help you choose the Garcia uh, model that's just right for you. It's just like yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like not that it's a bad thing to say necessarily, but like that seems like something that you would see in an ad from like you know twenty years before this or thirty mm-hmm. years before this. It's very. I, I, it seems like odd that you would say to kids, "Oh, ask your dad to help you do this." I guess. Well, but the drawings are really nice, though. And yeah, like, I'll I bet Spider-Man the, looks good. And the Santa, and the, looks... the Santa, I like. I love the the line work in his beard. It's really cool. But mm-hmm. the trucker hat kind of. Yeah, and he's and and grabbing a wad of cash, which yeah. seems odd because. Well, uh, maybe maybe people left cash out for Santa instead of cookies. I mean. Hey, that sounds good to me. Yeah, maybe I should be saying that. that sounds good. Um, <laughs> the next page yeah. is I don't really remember this, but it's uh, my the artwork on mine is kind of faded out. But it's a oh, I, it's aw- it's awful. I think I think what it is, I think is just like because it's printed on um on this on this newsprint and like I mean I think if it was on stock like the cover is, I think that it would look better. But like mm-hmm. it's it's very much. Like oh this is all this shading and gradation that just does not work on this paper and it, it looks it really bizarre look, yeah it doesn't look really inked that well the 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 line work around the characters is really thin it does look inked and it's just not a good but it's an advertisement for Power Lords which I guess uh-huh. it says in comic books and action figures and now video games and it was a video game for the Odyssey which I think was. It was it, it was a kind of a rival to the Atari, but I think it was monochromatic if I remember. It it doesn't look all that good. Yeah, I mean, like I don't even yeah, I don't even know what it's about. I'm like the only thing it makes me think of uh, Power Masters, which is like a yeah. um, like an indie an indie comic like that from that's kind of like it's like Power Rangers, but it's very weird. And I don't know. Someone I, told I, me I draw like the person who drew that. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know whether I'd take that as a compliment or not. I am not sure. I mean, not, 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 no, not, not, not this, the oh. other book that I was talking about. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, I no, say, I don't draw like that. I, mean, I was going to say, if that's, they're saying your artwork's like that, that's, that's not nice. Cause that artwork really isn't all that good. That's, no, that's okay. kind of disappointing artwork. I don't, I mean, like, I, I think actually I would say this in particular, I think is, it's not that bad. It's just, um, yeah, like I said, I think it has a lot to do with the printing and this is something that like, you know, if you put an ad like this, I mean, obviously it's totally out of time, but like if it was on like the paper that they print, uh, monthly comics on now, I think Mm -hmm. it would look just, just fine. And it would, but it looks, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe it's just, it may be 
the col- the colors were made for not, not not to be printed yeah. on paper like this like they you know like maybe they did it in, in a computer or something and like it came out and, and you know it looks great on the screen but it doesn't look great in here yeah so uh the next ad we get for is uh Colombian muscle frame racers which i guess a brand of bmx bikes and i guess if you uh sent in proofs of purchase or whatever you could get your uh columbia team racing jersey so there you go advertisement for toys r us in the magazine mm-hmm. i don't know i kind of like the drawing. i mean like i don't know it's like maybe not that great of a drawing but i i don't know i kind of respond to it, it looks it looks fun mm-hmm. but then of course i kind of think about team america um not 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 the yeah uh, that part not not the matt trey stone and trey parkers but but team america the comic the comic from, book yeah from the marvel and probably around this time i think actually uh, i mean actually, i think it was a it was a yeah, little bit, er- a little, little, little bit earlier, I think, but maybe. Or, oh, did we? Yeah, we, we talked about it last time. They were having, oh. I think, either their first or it, was having, it had some issue in one of the oh. uh, the upcoming, you know, the bullpen bulletins. So huh. I don't um, remember that at all, but uh, I believe you because okay. I, I don't trust my own memory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next ad is for some uh, MPG uh, models again and these are some really yeah. neat ones they're for the uh, return of the jedi line mm-hmm. and uh, they've got the uh, tie interceptor the shuttle tiderium or the imperial shuttle an a-wing fighter a speeder bike with the one of the uh, speeder scouts on it and the b-wing fighter which was always my favorite star wars uh spaceship i yeah, love yeah. in fact i was i had a b-wing fighter one of the ones that you could put the people in the cockpit and the cockpit oh. had the, uh, uh, it, it rotated around the B wing. So you could twist it to the side and the cockpit would rotate. So the figure was still sitting, uh, facing down. I don't know how you, uh, I know how they do it, but I can't just explain how they do it, mm-hmm. you know? but it was yeah. really cool. And these, I remember having some of these model mm. kits. I think you had the speeder bike one. It was pretty cool. Mm. That's yeah. That's but yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, they, I mean, this is a really, really pretty art in this. Like you know, sometimes you definitely get with these ads. Sometimes there's just some stuff that is just some guy crapped out in ten in ten minutes, and it's really terrible. Like the, oh, like that, like the thing we were talking about the, with the NBC Saturday morning that was mm-hmm. awful. But or or just you know, but there's some stuff that's like that's drawn. And you're like, oh, this guy did not draw this in very much time, and he really didn't care about it, but like you can just see, oh, all the like mm-hmm. tiny little details, like the um, the little lines of the. I guess they're supposed to be solar panels on the Tie yeah, Fighter, the TIE and it's yes. and it's just like all oh, these little tiny. I mean, like unfortunately, like there's a little bit where it does kind of get swallowed up a little bit, but just because of the printing. But still, I mean, like it's yeah, you it can you can tell really nice. every you know all the work that went into making this thing you're like oh that's you know it's it's nice to see that Mm -hmm. uh the next ad we get is a few pages in it's uh, a couple of half page ads one is for pac-man watches Mm -hmm. yes we've got pac-man running by selling saying telling time was never so much fun and okay sure pac-man obviously uh, they've got Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man, who was out mm-hmm. by this time. Yeah, this is kind of a weird one though, because like the, I mean, the Miss Pac-Man looks just fine. Like, it, I mean, like it's pretty much looks like um, 
pretty on model. Like it looks mm-hmm. like, you know, like what you would see on the, on the box of the arcade machine or whatever. But the Pac-Man looks really weird. Yeah, his leg looks like it's coming out of his lip there. Uh-huh. It's just really bizarre. And, and he's got, I don't know, his weird eyes and his, I mean, I guess it's, how i was gonna say his mouth is like too wide but i'm like well it's pac-man like that i can i can go with but yeah. like it is just oh that's yeah, it's just funny to see those two up next to each other and it's like oh this is looks right and this does not look right at all and then the next half page ad on the same page is i initially when i looked for, looked at it i was like oh it's another ad for grit but no it's for uh kids making money by selling video game cartridges so i guess you could be a part-time video game dealer. So, yeah. I don't I know how that works. I'm like, I don't, is, that, is this another like scam or something? I don't I know. Or maybe, or maybe. I haven't seen too much of this in, yeah. in comics. So, yeah, it does sound kind of scam. Like, here, we'll send you all these video game cartridges that you can sell. And uh, I guarantee like 90% of them were probably the E.T. cartridge. Oh, oh. Yeah. Close your mouth. That is you, terrible. You Don't, can't. You can't. We, even we do not. We do not speak of of the ED. That is. <laughs> oof. Uh, the I next just, page I just get chills is thinking about it and not good uh, chills. No. <laughs> the next page is a kind of hodgepodge page with uh, that is a weird looking female figure there. Yeah. I don't I mean, know like whether it's it's, it's like uh, RoboCop meets the Wasp meets. Yeah. Some sort I was of gonna, I was sci-fi. gonna say more like more like uh, Jordy LaForge, but uh, <laughs> but 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 uh, Next Generation would come out for a couple of years uh, after this, so I guess I guess it can't be that unless you know they're, they're ripping it off before it even existed. But yeah, was RoboCop even out by this time? I don't know. I, I, well, he had I, no, he didn't have. You're right. It does look more like the Jordy LaForge sort of. Fram oil filter or air filter type thing over a visor, but yeah, it's not the best drawing. And then, of course, the bottom half of the page is for our favorite favorite uh, newspaper selling scam of grit. Yes, it's a different ad. That's it. Yeah, yeah, which is nice, I guess. But that kid is creepy. I don't like him. He makes me feel weird. Well. That's another one. So like, yeah, drawings that do not look good. And any, any, the, any, the guy probably did in a couple of minutes. Like, any kid is gets rough. scammed into selling grit, you know, probably isn't all that interesting anyway. Um, the next page, we get the bullpen's bulletins page, and we get to look at uh, uh, basically some line, uh, some drawings of the assistant editors, and there's some pretty big names here. We've got Anna Senti. Uh, Jim Owsley, who was uh, Larry Hama's assistant, and Jim Housley, I guess, now goes by Christopher Priest, if I'm thinking right. Yeah, and apparently at this time went by Galactus, because <laughs> the picture is not a picture of Jim Owsley. It is a picture of Galactus, well, and I don't know why, but it's a good picture. And yeah. I think this is kind of like, it might be, oh, some of them look like they might be like Sienkiewicz or something, but I can't tell. And, yeah. There's, yeah, and then there's, and there's, there's uh, yeah, Mike, we got, yeah, and we got. Mike um, Carlin, yeah. And and we got Bob Harris, mm-hmm. which, you know, who was at this time was Ralph Macchio's assistant, and he I, ran the company in the '90s, and now mm-hmm. he's at DC. Yeah, and he uh, did all right for himself, whatever you may think of him. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see. I'm trying to look at 
I'm the the hype box promotes Hercules limited series. I never read that one, but I think I've heard good things about it. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a couple of them, and I I feel bad because I think I, I have them in a box, and I like I got them at some point, and I wanted to read them, but then I just you know it's one of those things that got oh it got stuck in between something else, and I don't remember now where it is. Yeah, but yeah. it's the Hercules one has Bob Layton art, so that's got to be good. Well, yeah, and it's I believe it's it's written by him as well. I'm oh, really? I'm not I'm not sure, but I I think so. Uh, and the official Marvel tryout book, apparently, which is. Hmm. I have no idea what that. I guess. Well, it's this thing like it's where they, you know, they, they. I mean, it's got stuff like uh, you fill. You, it's got some stuff in it, and you fill in the missing parts. You. Interesting. You get to pencil, ink, write letter, even color pages of this action-packed Spider-Man story. Interesting. Uh, The next page is another ad for the James Bond 007 game. Uh, This one, I. Ooh. This one is a lot more invocative. Wait wait, wait a second. Okay. Apparently, one of the, um, under the, um, they have also, um, there's uh, Phoenix, the Untold Story, number one, which is, I mean, the, which is um, the, um, basically it's the, the stuff about um, the original ending of the Phoenix Saga where she lived, I think, mm-hmm. I think is what happened. And so I guess they have that. And also there's the um, Marvel Fumetis, which seems, I don't know, that's, a, I didn't know that they did that at this time or ever. I mean, do you need to know what Fumetti is? No, what or, is no. that? I mean, it's, um, well, I mean, it's, in general, it's like the Italian word for comics, but um, in general, when people say Fumetti, what they mean is uh, photo comics with, I mean, basically, you know, it, photos in panels with word balloons on them and stuff. And like, that's kind of, I know, it is kind of a thing that, you know, I don't, I don't think, doesn't it? It's kind of an experiment that I don't think uh, worked super well or has hmm. ever worked super well. But I don't know. I mean, it's weird. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, if you're willing to go on to the next page. Oh, yeah. No, I'm the... sorry. Yeah, I, no, just, no, no. I just got distracted. I was like, Fumetti? What is That's this? That's cool. <laughs> um, anyway. It's, it's another ad for the James Bond 007 game. But this one is a lot more evocative of the sort of feel of the James Bond movies because this one, the James Bond, looks a lot more Sean Connery-like. And, in fact, we've got the uh, – the Aston Martin on here and odd job in the back throwing his hat. So, and, uh, yeah, uh, with this, I would say though, um, yeah, uh, definitely it, mm, like the, we were complaining about the anatomy and stuff on the other one, but like this, the anatomy is very nice, but I think, I don't know. I'm not sure if the composition is not so exciting because, you know, yeah. it's just their, you know, it's, it's, it's tops a big... of their bodies coming out of like a big cloud of smoke instead mm-hmm. of like they're in like action poses doing uh, interesting things. Yeah, it's just basically them posing and holding guns except for Odd Job, which is flinging his his hat, which is what you he know. does. So. Um, you know, we get the same uh, Doctor Strange ad, subscription ad there, which was we talked about last issue and then we get i guess there was a second advanced Dungeons and dragons game for the intellivision because this is the uh second one and it, it looks more reminiscent of the sort of uh oh the kind of 3d shooter games that you get it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like doom or castle wolfenstein or anything but it looks like it has that sort of thing where you walk around uh and and count and you know, walk through rooms and move forward and turn left and right and uh encounter 
badness, yeah. but the art. I mean, like that's here. you know, yeah. I mean, it's definitely different. I mean, like it's you know, yes. I mean, it's it's built like 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 a Doom or a Castle Wolfenstein, but obviously it's very different. Like it's like you know, that's like saying you know, oh, well, um, Castlevania and Mario are the same thing just because mm-hmm. they. I mean, there's a, yeah, a very similar platformers. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know. So it is like that in that way, at least. But the artwork here is pretty good as well. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, I don't know whether I like it more or less than the one where he was fighting the dragon on the bridge, but it's it's kind of mm-hmm. neat. You get an idea. I mean, it's very yeah. – there's a lot of things going on to happen to this sort of Robin Hood, you know, archer-type guy. You've got a ghost coming up behind him and snakes coming up the stairs and you know, the shadow of this sort of – bony looking dragon that looks like he's gonna looks like it's gonna devour him so it's it looks like a neat game and for the time i think you know if you couldn't get a bunch of your friends together and actually play dungeons and dragons this or if you're between you know campaigns this would be something to sort of whet your appetite yeah or you know at least it's something to do Mm -hmm. and then the back outside cover (laughs) is just a kind of wacky it's a kid lying on the floor uh, with really, really high water pants, mm-hmm. which is kind of disturbing because it makes it makes the supposition that people who play video games are nerds who wear high water pants. But it's an advertisement for the game Super Cobra, mm-hmm. which um, if you've never played this, it's basically a side-scroller video game kind of along the lines of I'm trying to think of something like Zero Wing or one of those games where you have uh, a ship that you can move in all directions and you just fire lasers or things out of it and shoot things that are coming towards you. But I think one of the things that you had to do during this was you also had uh, to shoot things on the ground. So when you'd fire your weapons or whatever that went straight out from the helicopter, there was also a sort of bomb or a a missile that would shoot out and arch down and hit things on the ground. So not only did you have to hit things that were flying at you, but you had to hit ground-based things. And also, if you'll kind of look at the TV, you also have to maneuver through these sort of uh, tight spots. So it was it was a challenging game. And I guess uh, if you played the game and took a photo of you know, your high score, you could send it in and get a Super Cobra flight jacket. So. Uh, I mean, this is this is kind of interesting. I think as an as an artifact, because uh, I, I mean, just as as a, a, a as a of a video game ad of its time, because it really, I mean, like the, I mean, this guy's got like his smoking hands and like he's fallen down on his face and like it. It kind of reminds me of like, I mean, it, it feels like something that I would think of seeing like in a '90s comic or something. Like it's very, it, I mean, none of the other uh, video games. Uh, video game ads are really like this um, in, in this comic or in like the other ones that we've read. It's, it's very, it's very different. I think from the, those in, yeah. but then it's also interesting though. Like one of the taglines they have in the top is like, is the game is next to impossible, which I mean, I, I love that. That's a selling point. I mean, yes, I, you know, you, you like to be challenged, but at the same time, I mean, it's interesting to see that in, in, in context because like, I mean, it just really was the you know the age of uh, really really hard video games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, but it's it, I just love that it's a selling point that you're like, yes, um, 
play our game, it is almost, you know, you can't beat it. Mm. <laughs> oh, Lord. But yeah, that, that does it for this issue. Yeah. Um, uh, so far, I'm looking forward to the next issue. Uh, yeah, um, like I'm really, I, I'm, I'm almost like wanting to just like grab the next one like off uh, <laughs> ne- next still, to me. I'm still waiting. I've got, I've got the last four issues, and I'm still waiting until we come mm-hmm. to the next episode. But you can be guaranteed that here in a couple of months we will be back to cover issues nine and ten, and then eventually eleven and twelve, finishing up the series. So. We hope you guys come back uh, next time for another episode of Just One of Them There Guys. Yeah. And until then, uh, stay safe, everyone. Yeah, God knows what will happen next. <laughs> You've been listening to Just One of Them There Guys, a US1 podcast hosted by Sean Engel and Jay Ferguson. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely to show everyone how cool it is to sit for long periods of time in the cab of an 18-wheeler while listening to an ever-changing radio station and popping no-dos like M&M's. All feedback to the show can be sent to the sister side of the show at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find the RSS feed for the show at the new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. You can also go to the Just One of the Guys section, and you'll find episodes there. The show is also on iTunes under the Just One of the Guys banner, as well as the all-new Two True Freaks number two. Go there, and be sure to leave a review. You can also reach me on Citizens Band Channel 19 if you're traveling through the great state of Oklahoma. Just give a shout-out for Wide Load Shawnee, and I'll chat the night away with you. However, you still won't find me on Facebook. Sorry, folks. But that's it for this time. Come back again next time for another episode of Just One of Them There Guys, a US One podcast. I'm westbound, just watch old bandit run.